4: Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. worldafropedia.com
2: McDonald's is facing a new lawsuit alleging pervasive sexual harassment of female employees. It's the latest high-profile charge against McDonald's, which is already dealing with some two dozen similar legal claims. And it comes just over a week after McDonald's fired its CEO, paying him a multimillion-dollar exit package after he had a consensual relationship with a subordinate. NPR's Alina Selyuk is here in the studio to tell us more about this, and we should warn listeners that our conversation will contain some graphic details of the alleged harassment. Hi, Alina. Hello. Tell us about the focus of this new lawsuit.
5: So at its heart, the lawsuit accuses McDonald's of, quote, culture of sexual harassment. The lawsuit has one named plaintiff who shares her story of working and facing routine abuse and harassment at one franchise location in Michigan. But she filed it as a class action. So more than 50 women who worked at that location might join the case if the court allows it. But her bigger message is that McDonald's, as a corporation, should take responsibility for what the lawsuit calls systemic and institutional problems with how male workers treat their female colleagues. McDonald's has said it is committed to a safe and respectful workplace.
2: What are the details of this particular case in Michigan?
5: So the former McDonald's employee, her name is Jenna Reese, says her store had a male manager who routinely harassed her and other female employees. The allegations run for pages and they are disturbing. The lawsuit says he grabbed her breasts and buttocks and called her names, accosted her, pulled her hair made sexually charged comments. Here's Reese talking to reporters today.
6: I constantly told him to stop. I told him no. I told him to leave me alone. I spoke up. He would threaten to fire me. I constantly lived in fear of losing my job for rejecting his sexual advances, abuses, and threats. It was so hard for me to go to work but I had to physically force myself to go. I needed the money, and I felt like I had no choice.
5: Reese says she reported this co-worker to the general manager, but the behavior continued. Her case has the backing of the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund in the American Civil Liberties Union, and she alleges that McDonald's failed to address and therefore enabled this.
2: Now, you said that McDonald's stressed its commitment to a safe and respectful workplace. What else are they saying about this suit?
5: Uh, so that was in their uh, statement that they issued today, that this is a deeply important conversation and they're committed to. They pointed to examples um, of things they've changed in the recent past, a new hotline, a new anti-harassment training they've added. For several years now, workers have been staging walkouts at McDonald's over low pay and harassment. They are accusing McDonald's of not doing enough to crack down on rampant sexual harassment. Lawyers say 50 claims are pending against McDonald's in courts and with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. But the big tricky thing about McDonald's is that the vast majority of its locations are owned by franchisees. They're not corporate, more than 90 percent of them. Hmm. McDonald's says it doesn't really run these stores. So, for example, that anti-harassment training, McDonald's says it's been added to all corporate-owned restaurants. But when it comes to franchisees, McDonald's says it is, quote, encouraged by the progress in negotiating with the owners.
2: Alina, put this into context for us. And many different companies right now are facing similar accusations of a culture of abuse where they're just not doing enough to root out sexual harassment.
5: Yes, and it's particularly problematic when you talk about workers who make minimum wage. Um, this has played out in the hotel industry, lots of fast food stores. Um, there have been different lawsuits against Hilton, Marriott, Wendy's, Burger King, and these are workers who may not have time and money to grapple with the weight of these issues. And more to the point, they might be stitching together income from multiple jobs to support their families. They are afraid of retaliation, meaning losing hours or even jobs. And so they are afraid to speak out.
2: That's NPR's Alina Seljuk with details on the latest lawsuit against McDonald's. Thanks, Alina.
5: Thank you. Black brother. Black brother hell. Put your, Put your hands behind your back.
4: You my- I feared for my life.
5: Put your hands
7: your back, you glee need-
4: I I was completely powerless in this situation. They didn't acknowledge my EMT identity. They didn't acknowledge my uniform.
0: Rory Stearden, an EMT with McCormick Ambulance, is the man these LAPD officers are commanding to put his arms behind his back.
4: This is a traumatic life experience for me. Yeah. On
0: August 22nd, Dearden was in the middle of an emergency transport. In the back of the ambulance was this LAPD sergeant, Dearden, and a patient who was reportedly having a seizure and had possibly been the victim of a sexual assault.
4: What I did was I laid her down supine, so flat, and I tightened up the safety belts um, due to her flailing body nature. Um, I needed to tighten her down. It's a safety hazard in the moving ambulance.
0: But he says the woman refused to stay in place.
4: She had a history of autism, so there was kind of a, a communication barrier, um, so where she wasn't fully responding to what I was saying.
0: Suddenly, Dearden says the patient managed to unstrap herself.
4: There was a huge concern, you know. Once she's off the gurney, I can't dictate her behavior. You know, a person is very capable of opening the door of an ambulance and jumping out
0: immediately Dearden says he pulled the patient back onto the gurney and that's when Dearden says the sergeant accused him of assaulting the patient
4: by me physically restraining her just doing my job it was a necessity because the patient was becoming a danger to herself
0: the sergeant then called for backup officers arrived and arrested Deardon back <laughs> you While this is going on, what are your thoughts? What's going through your mind?
4: Very fearful situation. I didn't know it was a taser at the time. All I see is a weapon in my face, you know. And I I became aware it was a taser because he was threatening to shoot me. He said, I'm going to tase you. This
1: should have never happened.
0: Howard Allen Levy Uh, is Dearden's attorney.
1: Yeah, you hear it and you go, that's not believable that they would arrest somebody that that absolutely did nothing except his job.
0: But it happened. Dearden was handcuffed and taken to jail.
4: I went to jail. I was scheduled um, on stage at the Mass Singer. I worked for CBS studios and I was in custody. And I got a no call no show as a result and I was indefinitely removed from the schedule.
0: What saved Dearden from being charged with assaulting a patient was this. The body cam the sergeant was wearing during the alleged assault. After they looked at the body cam, what did the LAPD do?
4: No charges were filed. I was released with just a misunderstanding as an explanation
0: we reached out to the LAPD to get their side of the story but we were told the department does not comment on personnel matters what do you think about that
4: that is unacceptable you know this is my livelihood this is my job my career this completely devastated my life overnight
0: reporting from Los Angeles I'm Gina Silva
1: context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, November 15, 2019. So I have been told this is our weekly forum, neutralizing workplace racism. This is not a broadcast for spectators there've got to be tons of spectacular things to do. It is getting close to holiday season. You can be thinking about recipes, healthier recipes if you're going to uh participate in all the madness coming up. Uh sure there are sporting activities. Got to be football madness uh happening, pumpkin carving, lots of things uh that one could be doing as opposed to spectating. This broadcast is for sharing strategies, counter-racist tactics to neutralize racism, white supremacy in the workplace. People have figured out things that work well to solve problems. Outstanding. You don't have to deal with being pawed, people grabbing your hair, sexually terrorizing you on the job. You don't have to deal with any of that. They don't accuse you. You go about the, the business of doing your job. You don't get accused of things. Don't get arrested on your job. Simple things. You need a day off. You need sick time. No problem. With ease. That's what we need. If you have figured out how to solve any of those problems so that they are never an issue for you, you should make sure. Use your fingers. Go across that phone pad. 605 313 six four the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate. Certainly if you have difficulties, any problems, <clears throat> and you would like counter racist suggestions, dial in. We will do our best uh, to try to offer strategies, methods of solving problems without creating new problems. Again, that is the standard in the workplace. Really, that's the count uh, counter-risk standard in general, solving problems without creating new problems. But the number again, 605-313-5164. The code five six four pounds Press star six one if you would like to participate. Email always works if you have uh, suggestions, logic, if you have a a situation you're dealing with and you would like input, untiljustice at gmail.com. Until justice at gmail.com. Dot com. We can read your commentary on the air. If you have any concerns about being uh, anonymous, you don't want to be recognized, or you're just not able to dial in, drop an email, and we can read your commentary live on the air. Uh, before I address some of the audio uh, segments that we heard at the beginning, uh, the book club aired yesterday. Paul Robeson, The Artist is Revolutionary. We did segment four, and we aired uh, about an hour or so early, just so that I would have time to attend a author talk uh, here in Seattle. Uh, Azure Savage uh, is a young, non-white, trans-identified individual, 16 years old. And she wrote this book about white supremacy in the Seattle school system. And I attended the event with the intention of recording so that I could upload it to the podcast, and I somehow failed. I've done this before, and I somehow just failed royally to capture any portion of the audio. I was horrified uh, because I was able to ask a question. I will give more detail about this tomorrow uh, on the compensatory call-in, but I was able to ask a question. Uh, You don't want to be a spectator. This program is not for spectators, uh, and time that they have events on racism, white supremacy, where you're able to speak, uh, even if it's just to ask one question, do your best to use that platform. You never know who will hear that question. Uh, sometimes just asking a question can have a huge impact. Make sure you don't spectate if it's about racism, white supremacy and directly, or indirectly, all things are. Anyway, so the audio segments that we started with McDonald's, allegations of widespread sexual harassment. We discuss unwanted touching, sexual assault of all sorts against males and females in the workplace on a weekly basis and in all forms, whether it's comments. We have had uh, Thomas in New York dialed in uh, about the male employee who attempted to zip up his pants in the hallway. Uh, We have had white women who made sexual comments to black males. We've had white women who hugged Uh, black females, even after they made it known that they didn't want to be hugged, and then they started to sneak up from behind uh, and do the hugging. Uh, We have had a wide list uh, coming from behind and rubbing the shoulder. We have had an array uh, of touching, starting out with sexual, kind of sexually promiscuous remarks and escalating from there. Uh, I have said consistently, you need to have a code, and that's one that you should practice. If they say something, if they attempt to touch you, I quote the great Walter Beach, two time guest on the cows. You cut it off at the knees the very first time. It seems like it's going in that direction. You do not minimize. This is not a so-called microaggression. This is something that is going to escalate. That's that's what you heard in the sound clip, pulling hair and this and it's going to escalate. Go ahead. That's one that you want to put your uh, stand on your square. Have lots of black self-respect. If it's touching, you're moving away. Whoa, do not ever touch me again. That is totally unacceptable. In a workplace, or however you, you know, whatever phrase that you want. But I mean, it is said with as much. If you need to think Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, if you need to think of uh, people in your family who had lots of black self respect, who motivate you, inspire you uh, in that manner, think of them, channel their energy, uh, and bam, lots of self respect. And practice, that's what I said about practice that. That's something that you can just practice. This is what I say. If it's uh, touching, we talked about that before. We had people, they practice, snatch away. And then you, you know, whatever statement that you say, but practice that because it is so common for males and females. If you're an attempted parent, talk to you. If you have a child that you know is going to be entering what they call the workforce soon, have that discussion with them at an early age. That's one that you want to make sure they have solidified so that they're not stunned. Unfortunately, hopefully not. And hopefully way, way, way down the road. But I mean, unfortunately, just with the system that we have. They will be prepared and they can sparkle with their codification. Hands off. Boom. You pick the wrong victim, buddy. Codified. I was prepared for that. You picked the wrong victim, ma'am. Was prepared for that. Got attempted counter racist parents. And documentation. That's one where it can also help if it's going to be repeated uh, attempts. Documenting so that you're reporting uh, this misconduct uh, and keeping a record. That it was reported so that you can show these incidents were happening this date, time. This is who it was reported to. And this is what was done or this is what was not done to correctly resolve the situation. The second uh, audio segment, equally troubling, the black EMT victim. You heard that he they, they get a patient. Sexual abuse, they mentioned that as well, how widespread it is. That's why I said you got to. It's mandatory. As they, said, they said it seemed like this victim might have been a victim of sexual assault. And so the EMT, he's trying to uh, subdue her, you know, because she's in shock. And they're saying that the ambulance is moving. She's not staying still. And he's trying to strap her down uh, to, the, to the gurney so that they can keep her safe and transporting her to the hospital. And somehow in all of that, he ends up being accused of assaulting this patient for just trying to get her back down onto the gurney. That's what I mean about pitfalls of jobs where you might have to actually put your hands on someone in the era of Bill Cosby and me, too. Now, I don't know if this is a white woman, the patient. They didn't have a. Uh, a photograph or what have you. And I, I think it was a uh, white enforcement official because they did have a video, and I think you could see it was a white uh, female officer. But I mean, and this, the, the video that I saw, this is a highly melanated black male, the EMT, uh, who gets charged here. So, <laughs> him just in the course of doing his job, all of a sudden it becomes the man not rapist. Oh my goodness, you unhand that white woman. Or it could have been a non-white, you know, female. You unhand her, you savage. What are you doing? Get them a call for backup. Coon has lost his mind. And it's too, and then all of this is always oh, just a little misunderstanding. You know, these coons get carried away. He thought he was trying to rape her, but turns out everything is all right. Just keep an eye on the coon from now on. Sorry, wasted everyone's time in. <laughs> And I appreciate that he said, you know, this was, traumatic life event. How could it not be? This is not even just, you know, I was in my car driving while black, the tackiness of that phrase. This isn't even that. This is, I was on my job functioning as a health professional attempting to save someone's life and in the process I was accused of being some sort of black thug rapist and arrested. Like, are you serious? Like, traumatic life event. The man, it sounds like another case of that old black male privilege, black male patriarchy, just ruining the world. Toxic black masculinity, yes. And I've even thought of this in a different context earlier today. Alison Manswell, she was a guest on the program in 2016. She wrote the book uh, Lean In, and she talked about how she reluctantly would tell black males to make themselves smaller, don't talk too loud, don't stand over or too close to uh, white women, uh, white people in general sometimes on the job because you might make them fearful, you might intimidate them. Uh, she says sometimes she almost feels as though she's having to tell the black males to emasculate themselves in order to function in a workplace environment. I was thinking of that earlier, and then with this segment, whew, even being an EMT. White genetic annihilation. Dr. Mm. Would have loved to hear the grandcesters' thoughts on that. Okay. Uh, Before I get to other folks' thoughts on workplace racism, I have to, unfortunately, go first for workplace racism. Not excited about that at all. And even uh, more disgruntled about having to take up more time talking about uh, yoga, and gusty, because that is not the most important component of white supremacy, racism. And I'm even reminded about Dr. Kanban's uh, important uh, emphasis on coming to a conclusion on topics. Uh, you study, you make your analysis, you come to a conclusion. You certainly can revisit because things do change. So sometimes you come to a conclusion and then you come back and reevaluate. And after some time, maybe things have changed. You have to come to a different conclusion. Absolutely. But coming to a conclusion so we're not just processing and processing and I don't seem like I don't come to a conclusion and then bam we can pivot from there so hopefully we won't have any more at least in the context of of me practicing sort of a thing incidents of racism but this is workplace racism so let's see most yoga Uh, instructors if you teach at the yoga studio you are able to practice at the yoga studio that's included Uh, I I wouldn't necessarily say it's encouraged but generally it's not a bad thing um, because you would be able they use the word community a lot uh, for people who practice uh, so you would get to meet presumably uh, other students uh, and you would be able to promote yourself, uh, your practicing so they could see if you, you know, have a strong practice or what have you, where you might be able to teach them some things. Um, you can let them know about your class or if you teach privately and all that so you can, you know, promote and mingle all of network, as they say, just networking. Uh, so generally, you know, it would be a good and you can support, you know, your other. Uh, students, they they say that that's, I think they have uh, some professions where you can support other people that are doing similar work where it's not so cutthroat and competitive. It can be certainly with yoga, but uh, that generally is considered a good thing as well. So I enjoy uh, being able to practice uh, in a heated environment. Certainly I can practice on my own, at my residence or wherever, but I enjoy being able to practice it uh, in a heated uh, studio. Uh, That can be nice. Uh, And being able to have all of the cool yoga uh, equipment uh, that can be helpful with the practice. So there are benefits to going to the studio. I've talked about that before. So I would practice at home, practice at the studio now that I'm teaching. I've talked about uh, there can be pitfalls, uh, extra cautions, I would say. If you have a job where you might be in your work environment, even when you are not on work hours, that can be interesting and might, you know, pose additional code of, or and I won't even say might, does require additional codification uh, because uh, I'm just thinking like a school teacher or something like that where you might be uh, at an athletic contest uh, even though you're not teaching technically and it's not school hours you certainly would be held responsible if you're out in the stands yelling coon this and nigger that I think that might cause some workplace issues for you so uh, if you have one of those jobs you're going to be in the work environment not uh, on hours You still have to be codified, and Gus T. certainly is mindful of that. So uh, I go practice this week uh, a few times uh, at the studio. And a part of the uh, internship uh, for the program that I just finished before I got hired uh, was uh, help with your resume, you know, helping you develop your career as a yoga instructor. So I say, hey, I'm going to see if I can get some help uh, polishing up my resume. And still learning, trying to to get better, trying to improve. Uh, and so I contact uh, the white woman studio owner. She says, Absolutely, uh, let's do it. Let's set up a time, and uh, we'll go over it. And I can see, you know, what tips I can offer. Great, I'm sure she can offer some great, you know, suggestions. Uh, but it was it was something ominous in the email. It was it was we can we can meet. Uh, and go over the resume this wednesday and other things and i thought oh <laughs> I, don't, I don't ever expect anything good to happen with that like oh something happened like oh no what did i do have i <laughs> and so uh i go in and I'm still in the forefront of my mind thinking, you know, resume because I hadn't taught since Sunday. So this is Wednesday. I hadn't taught in a couple of days and, you know, nothing quirky or, or odd happened uh, when I taught last. So going, I'm excited about working on my resume, uh, especially because I had just uh, glanced at some of the openings. And there's so many job openings to teach yoga uh, here in the Seattle area and I put a specific number I said I wanted to be over $25 per hour and there were quite a few job openings that were uh, that and substantially over uh, that per hour and I said oh yeah I should polish my resume and get some of my coins back from white people for yoga so I go in to polish up my resume I'm excited seeing their openings, thinking that, oh, yeah, I could do some of these. In fact, I was even thinking, hmm, I wonder if they have yoga at sea. I would love to be, especially if I could get someplace warm, if they have Wi-Fi on the boat, I could teach yoga one or two classes a day, still do the program, travel, best of all worlds. I said, I'll have to check on that yoga at sea. Anyway, but all of that polishing the resume. So going in to polish my resume and I get there and she says, well, I got feedback that you took a class this morning. Did Did you hear a white person, or she didn't say white person, but did you hear another student, a man uh, saying something to you in class? And I said, no. And so now I'm thinking back to the class like did somebody say something and i'm thinking like no i don't remember anyone saying anything like there was the student to my right i remember uh specifically because she it was a non-white female and she has come to classes that i have taught uh, consecutively, uh, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, so I remembered, her. I remembered her name specifically. That's something that they tell you as a yoga instructor to make sure that you do a good job remembering students' names so that she can be personal and, you know, call them out, uh, by their name in class to give encouragement or support or kudos or whatever it's going to be. So I, I remember speaking, that's part of what I mean about why you would go to class as an instructor, where you teach because then you can do that you can see like oh there's a student and hey how you doing good to see you okay harriet blah 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 and you're working on this like you could have a little chat about the postures or whatever else or vegan meals whatever counter-racism even anyway so she was directly uh next to me and i we did talk before class but i don't remember she didn't say anything to me during class i'm like no like i don't remember that at all like what what did he say And so she says, well, the instructor said that this white man uh, yelled at you and said, dude, during the middle of class, you're breathing too loud. I was flabbergasted. Flummoxed. Just for context, uh, as I'm sure many of the folks listening uh, do not take a lot of yoga classes in yoga classes <clears throat> um, you will frequently hear uh focus on breath, breath, pranayama, life force you know you stop breathing, you stop living uh and frequently when when I say frequently like to put numbers on it right like uh for the two thousand eighteen calendar year. I took approximately 800 yoga classes. I would say in at least 100 of those classes, you would hear your neighbor should hear you breathing. So just to put numbers on that, if you were to take a class, one class per day, seven days a week, I think at least one day a week you would hear your neighbor should hear you breathing. Like, it's not supposed to be a quiet breath. In fact, if we're not hearing breathing in the room, there is a problem. So, you know, this is not church and shh. It's breathe. In fact, you will also frequently hear, take up space. Be big. Take up space. You'll hear these types of cues in class. So she said that this white man yelled at me, dude, be quiet, and that uh, I guess at least one other person had uh, reported me for breathing loudly in class and that she even had noted that my breathing was loud in class. She had to amplify her voice. I was flabbergasted. Now, this does relate to workplace racism directly and indirectly as I said that this conversation happened I was coming to talk about my resume when this was brought up and this ended up being a 40-minute conversation uh, in fact this conversation went so long I thought we were going to talk about the resume she looked at the clock and said oh wow it's 6 10 uh, we were both going to take a class at six thirty, so we both you know now have less than 20 minutes like man we we're supposed to talk about your resume we've been talking about you Breathing loudly and disrupting the white students in class for the last, like, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes. Um, as I said, it was, I was flummoxed just because I'm thinking resume and then, and then the the nature, like, breathe, like it was, I thought of the hashtag, and you know how I feel about social media and all of that, but I thought of the hashtag, I can't breathe, and I said, this is not even like, funny like breathing too loud and then I thought on another level like wow if I had heard this white man yelling at me in a class I'm not sure how I would have responded on one level I may have left the class on another level, I may have ignored him and continued to breathe loud for the rest of class, like I'm not sure. And then it would have the other element would have been, well, I'm an instructor here. Uh I don't know. Should I hush or, or I mean it was just wow, like breathing too loud in a class. Anyway, as I said, there are challenges and potential pitfalls to being in a work environment when you are not actually working. My conclusion uh for this was the same thing that uh many cows listeners had said before that you know there is simply no reason to practice with white people. Uh I don't think, uh at least for me, it does not seem constructive to practice with white people where i teach because it seems like there would likely be the same types of issues that many non-white people have reported uh in going to uh in going to yoga classes where they have been they i have been mistreated uh and the environment is just not welcoming supportive uh to non-white people uh if out, if in fact it is not out and out terroristic uh and it's treatment of non-white people, I would say, especially black people. Uh, But, yeah, I just decided uh, it's no reason to have my personal practice uh, disrupted by having to think about, am I breathing too loud uh, for the white people in class, or am I too large, because that was brought up to you know, you're a larger male, and could be a lot for some students like I would rather just practice on my own and not have to deal with that and I can just teach go in teach and then practice on my own that way I don't have to deal with those concerns but that was uh, jarring I will say and I suspect that that sort of thing has happened to a lot of black people where uh that's where it can be just a really unsettling uh really nauseating stressful anxiety filled experience uh working around with whites uh because Just, yeah, I mean, you just wouldn't be, you would just have to constantly be prepared for things like that. That's like when Mr. Fuller, when he says, like, do not expect correct treatment, like, I feel like that is a great illustration, like chastised for breathing too loudly in a yoga class. context of white supremacy. Indeed. Woo! I did teach yesterday. No accusations, I don't think. Uh, Let's see. I will read one email before I proceed. That would be another illustration of black male privilege, uh, I suspect as well, being uh, chided for breathing too loudly. Uh, in yoga class, black male privilege strikes again. Woo. All right. Uh-oh. Uh Oh, let's see. We have uh, one of our listeners wrote in. He actually has a blog post where he shares about racism, white supremacy and he wrote in a report about references i was just talking about references i had to get my references together so that i could teach yoga might need references in the future that i uh, am able to breathe in a mild manner that does not disrupt other students the report reads workplace racism report for 2019 1108 On November 1st, I received confirmation that I successfully passed an IT certification exam. For the purpose of this report, I will refer to this IT certification as the ABC certification. After passing the ABC certification exam, two additional steps must be completed before an ABC certification is awarded. Number one, endorsement by someone who's already ABC certified. Number two, validation of work experience by your endorser. Prior to taking the exam, I spoke with a non-white black male who confirmed that he would endorse me. I reached out to three references, all who are white, asking them if the ABC endorsement could contact them to validate my work experience. Two of the three references confirmed it would be fine. The third didn't reply. The third reference, a racist man who I'll refer to as Jim, has always been prompt in his responses when I've contacted him in the past. This certification increases the chances of pay raises and job promotions. Oh, And I highly suspect that these are some of the reasons that Jim doesn't want me to use him as a reference. On November 6th, I reached out to Jim again. He responded, but asked if we could talk on November 8th regarding my request. I called Jim on November 8th at 10 a.m. Eastern. He answered the phone and told me that he would call me back in 30 minutes. Jim never called back. This is just a reminder that just because a racist has been a constructive reference for you in the past, there are no guarantees for the future. Very, very important. Hmm. I will share this one. And again, I think so many times, and uh, this can happen to me, this is this happens to a lot of us. Just because someone classified as white is nice to you, whatever it is, if they buy you a brand new car, they bring, buy you a brand new house, they get you round trip uh, airfare uh to see uh your dying parent whatever it is maybe they get you all three they get you a job whatever in a system of racism white supremacy white people individuals classified as white they have more power than individuals who are not white so it is substantial substantially easier For them to acquire these types of resources and to, you know, if they want to dole them out to you. And this has happened repeatedly uh, throughout the system of racism, white supremacy. I even point to uh, my man, uh, Donald Sterling. He gave the NAACP reportedly millions of dollars. Still practiced racism against a lot of black people, but eh, watermelon day on the plantation, few million Negros here, few million there, and then I go back to the business of practicing racism. That Magic Johnson and all the rest of them. Very easy. White people can be nice. Racists, they can be nice when they want to. Super important for us to remember, just because they were nice to you on Monday does not mean they're going to be nice to you on Friday. And that's why with those references, always important to have backups ready and to be prepared for shenanigans i'm not surprised about jim you know oh he didn't respond and being able to point that out wow jim normally you know is johnny on the spot he's on that phone and boop 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 he's shooting a reply back within you know 60 seconds or something and letting me boop 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 no problem boop boop boop, boop, and getting back he's not even responding this time i called him up oh yeah i'll get you back in 30 minutes just give me 30 minutes Five hours is gone. (laughs) We're almost going home for the day. Nothing like that's really irregular. Those types of irregularities, they are not coincidences when it is to your detriment. You not being contacted him, not following up about something that would enhance your career, put you in line to get a promotion, maybe a pay raise, maybe. And now he's lethargic. Now he's lax about replying to you. That's not a coincidence. That is racist man, racist woman. Unless I've been misinformed. I'll post the uh, link for this report. Always encourage folks, uh, write about racism, white supremacy, uh, share your thoughts, uh, document. And for workplace racism, you can, you know, make a whole little journal uh, online. You can make it a blog. If you're, you you want to share, you can make your name anonymous and that sort of thing. But that accomplishes the same goal. You'll have dates, times, all of that. You'll have a record uh, and you can help process these events, make sense of them for yourself so that you can develop, enhance your code moving forward in knowing oh, okay, this is what I think happened with this event and this is the best way that I'm gonna you know conduct myself moving forward. Number again is six zero five three one three five one six four. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, certainly, if we have folks, uh, if you have a counter-racist code for or if you worked on your counter-racist code for dealing with pregnancy in the workplace, we are always looking to add to that because it is so shabby right now. I guess a whole lot of folks haven't haven't processed that far, or haven't thought that out, but that is super important. That is something we should work on. So if people have contributions for codifying counter-racism, being pregnant in the workplace, share, share, share. Uh, If you have any thoughts uh, about the situation, uh, the tackiness with the references uh, and or gusty situation, or or I guess in general, uh, folks have codified being in a work environment, even if you are not on the clock, because there are some jobs where that might be uh, the case. Uh, If you have a particular code about how you function, that might be good to share as well. 605-313-5164. The code 564 nine four three pound press star six one. If you would like to participate. Other folks uh, who dialed in, if you have a hand up comments, you would like to share line should be open. Uh, proceed. Remembering this year is not the broadcast for spectators. Uh, if you uh, are being treated well at work, people do not have any gripes about the volume of your respiration, well then, grand for you, whoopee. Uh, You can share with us how you did that uh, and then make sure you are being observant of other things that are happening in your work area because I can guarantee you there are some other shenanigans even if they are choosing to lay off you this month, this year, this week, whatever it happens to be. Uh, Let's see. The Black African. With us at the retreat this past February, line should be open. Uh, if you have commentary, proceed.
8: Uh, hey guys, thank you for taking my call. Um, I don't do yoga classes, um, but yeah, the even with the um, is it ujjayi breathing? I mean, it's very it's encouraged for you to to really breathe in and out deeply, loudly. And then there are uh, moments when you are asked to breathe out, like out of your, through through your mouth out, and you're supposed to do it loudly and deeply. So it's a little, I don't want, well, I guess the the person that was going to be reviewing your resume with you, I think they were just practicing racism because they should be well aware of the the breathing um references um i i don't this i'm not sure if this is coded this is not codification but most of the time when i have references uh especially with white people like former supervisors i i don't tell them um i just put them on there and then because uh, I've had situations where white people would say things that don't make sense, like, um, like something like I can't. Maybe like they'll say I, I won't be able to, to 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 tell the prospective employer like how you performed. All I can do is just tell them that you worked here. Some things that I don't things to me that don't make any sense. Um, uh, for a while. I guess the I guess the, re, the 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 retreat influenced people to quit their jobs, but I also a few months ago um, quit my job. Um, it was for well, for personal reasons. I was just not at, at a location that I that I enjoyed, and I also didn't want to work. I, I did I, I I thought it was it didn't make sense for me to work in a location that I didn't enjoy. Um, and so I tried to get employment, like sort of like employed the same job, but working remotely because other people there work remotely, but my requests were denied. I requested a couple of times, but it was denied. Um, and so I quit and so I quit without a job and I moved to a location that I wanted to. And so I started looking for work when I got there and so I guess something that I noticed, I think this is for, I think this is workplace racism because this has to do with like availability of jobs, um, especially now with the um, ADOS and um, and like the, uh, is it foundational uh, Black Americans? Because a lot of the folks that, that were the so-called recruiters that would contact me about prospective jobs, they were people. I think that be classified as Indians, like from India, and that's something that I had noticed in my employment. I've worked in different areas, and I've noticed that there's like really large populations of people called Indians that have like really good jobs. And many of the jobs that I don't think you know you you, you need, I guess what they would call like technical knowledge is I think it's just jobs where you would just need to know the English language. And I would imagine that a lot of um, non-white, black people from that um, black Americans would would be able to do the, this job, and so um, I just think that it, it it did make sense to me that these people would be here, located in the U.S. and being recruiters, and that that they were brought here to do this job. And I'm like, there's so many not my black people that could take this that could have this job so it took me a while but i did find a job and um i arrived at a workplace that i guess the managers are i guess are incompetent i've never worked in such a place but i didn't know that the managers were incompetent because i'm new but the employees they just gossiped about how incompetent the managers were. Um, and so I don't I'm I'm still figuring, trying to figure out how to handle this. Uh, how do I communicate with incompetent um, managers? The manager right above us is right above me is white. And so I'm still trying to figure that out. I don't know if people have suggestions like um, on that because the person doesn't know doesn't really understand what it is that we do, but they oversee us, which (laughs) I guess is is really, uh, has to do with the system. And so because the person doesn't understand what it is that's supposed to be done, they are always asking for explanations. It, It takes so much time to explain things to them. Um, yeah. Um, what else did I want to? Oh, and I had a, I have a question to you and the listeners about a. I think the person's is practicing racism. Just the supervisor, the person. They will. I don't know how to describe this. They will if they see me because you know I'm serious doing my work, and I've seen I've heard him say it to other. Well, I would say yeah, other employees where he will say something like, smile. Like, hey, you should smile, something like that. Or just something to do with you expressing some different emotion. Um, or yeah, be happy, something like that. And I one day I ignored him, it was like a meeting, so I ignored him, I continued doing, like writing something. And so he's like, so he he says my name and so I have to respond to him. So I responded to him by saying, "I'm just trying to do my work." But I guess it's I, it made me angry. I don't want to be told to smile in the workplace. But you know, I'm, I'm new. I don't know how to how to respond to this person. I don't want to be, you know, labeled as uh, all the terms that non-white black people be term will be labeled as. Um. Oh, one last thing. <laughs> I witnessed a black male. Um, I don't know how this. I think he was threatened, but I I don't know if. Um, I I tried to look. I don't know if there's. I've been reading through the what is it? The policy and procedures. I I, I don't know how to categorize it. But this black male, the a supervisor. It was right. So a supervisor had him and a I guess a white male they were supposed to do an assignment and so the supervisor asked him some questions and so the the black male was just answering honestly and so the supervisor asked him like have you guys met yet and so the the black male said not we haven't met yet to, to do this but we will meet and so the white male after the supervisor walked away the white man uh, said to the black male, looked at him very menacingly, like angrily and said to him, he said a metaphor. He said, I don't like being thrown under the bus. And so I, I, that's when I looked at the situation because it was very aggressive. I mean, he did it. And then he sort of walked away from him, but looked at him very angrily and repeated it. Like, I don't like being thrown under the bus. You shouldn't have done something like that. And so I'm just amazed at the situation because I thought the black male was just saying, hey, we didn't meet. Um, And so the black male looks at me and says, after this white man walks away and says, you saw it, right? You saw it, right? And he says that he's going to report him to our super, to the white supervisor. So I'm brand new. I don't, so I just tell him, no, you should write it down And, and you should write it down and consider sending it to. To, to HR or something. He's like, and he says to me, you saw it, right? You saw it, right? And so I, I kind of look at him like, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, you he going to ask me to be a witness? Like, <laughs> so I don't know, like, I don't know how to answer him. So I just, I just kind of look at him. I'm like, um, so I tell him you should write it down so that, you know, so that it's something that you can better explain. So, the, but he sort of, he, I guess he's excited. So he doesn't listen to me. He goes to report it to the white supervisor. The white supervisor uh sort of you know says something like, Um, we'll look at it, you know, just you know, we'll talk about it later. So he sort of brushes them off. And so what the white man does the next day, he comes into the office, and I kid you not, he cries in front in front of a a higher up a person, a non-white person, non-black person who's the highest person in our group and accuses the black male of calling him stupid of calling him incompetent so in the meantime between it's it's just it's just a night i guess the next day the the white man already has a, a code and he practices this code and now it is the black male against this white man and so it's sort of like I guess hearsay now, because now the black male is being asked about, "Hey, did you call him stupid?" It, it's now changed completely from, um, from this white man really uh, menacingly sort of to me verbally vul- <laughs> verbally attacking this black male. And so, I did. It was such a weird situation for me. It's like a new workplace, and I'm even you know it's like you're reconsidering the workplace. So I don't know what I could have said differently to the black male, or I don't know um, how I could have assisted him better. Um, Yeah. And also, yeah, my question about the being told to smile. Um, Yeah. That's all. Thank you for for taking my call.
1: Much obliged. The black African get some water. Thrown under the bus, uh, I do say, mind those metaphors. Um, I guess I would ask, uh, retaliation, is that what you were thinking? Like, about whether or not, if he wanted you to be a witness that, you know, this was, this did happen uh, in front. Is that what you were concerned about?
8: Hmm. Yeah, I think it was retaliation and and I was wondering like what could I add to the situation. I guess I would just I was like, okay, so I would just be saying what I saw and I didn't know how to categorize what I saw per se. Like I didn't know if it was against the policy and procedures, but I did think that it was I don't know. Maybe it was harassment or I don't know how to categorize it. But I thought I thought to myself that all I would be doing was describing what I saw and I didn't know if it would be of value. And I also thought about retaliation. It was those two things.
1: Appreciate the, appreciate the honesty. It can be difficult sometimes too in the spur of the moment, like just this sort of thing evolves like some sort of conflict or what have you evolves right in front of you and trying to make sense of what you are seeing. I was thinking of that too, like being able to get policy and procedure to see where where this would fit uh under policy and procedure if at all. Uh I do think it's always constructive to write these type of incidents down, uh, when they happen, date, time, uh, the way that you were talked to. Uh and if you are gonna report it as opposed to just going and, you know, oh my goodness. Bob said such and such and such and such. If you can sit, if it can be a typed email, date, time, and again, if it can be tied to policy and procedure, that this is not just like I said, because they try to infantilize everything so it'll just be, oh, you just got your feelings hurt. Put your big boy pants on. Come on. No, this was a violation of policy and procedure. That's why I said I I would have to sit. Sometimes it's best to stop even if what you know what he's saying that he wants to go report it fine you can stop and take 60 minutes what's the best way to report this let's see if we can tie where this is a violation of policy and procedure this is not just i felt bad or you know this was him saying something mean this was a violation of policy and a subversive activity mr fuller say If you're going to report this, let's do it so that we can maximize the chances of this working out in a constructive manner. Now, the crime, because if you don't, this white man, it goes from him terrorizing to him coming in the next day. And he is the victim. Oh, the weeping white man. I cracked up. Are you serious? The weeping white man. Oh, I'm a victim. He called me a dunce, called me an idiot. Almost called me a nigger. Oh, he's impugned my... Are you serious? And now everybody is looking at this black fella. Oh, man. I can't believe that you talked to Robert that way. Disgraceful. No one does it better uh, in playing the victim uh, in the workplace. No one. Uh, As for the smiling... Uh oh! I request—I was going to say—comment request that you should you know smile more. We've heard that so many times. Uh, it's so tacky and cliche in the workplace. Uh, I think Allison Manswell lean in. I think she talked about that as well. Uh, where you immediately draw more suspicion not smiling. Uh, I think that's in Sam Greenlee. Spook who sat by the door. Uh, we said a black a black person smiling can go anywhere. That's how he trained. Uh, That was a part of the counter-racist workplace code that they trained in the movie and book uh, to smile and smile and smile when you're on the job. Uh, I would just say, and I think uh, Roz has said before and others, if you're new on a job, I always think that's great. And just saying, hey, which you said you're just starting and just making that clear. I am not a big, smiley, jokey person. That's just not my personality. Like, I, I am absolutely here to help uh, if there's anything that I can do to help get something done, let me know uh, and I will do all that I can. But I'm just not. Uh, and In fact, uh, I'm trying to concentrate. You know, productivity is important. Uh, I'm just starting. It's a lot to learn. So uh, I'm really trying to concentrate. That's why I look serious, because I'm thinking and trying to do a good job. And I'd explain it just that. I mean, who's going to what? Why are you thinking trying to do a good job? Tell us some jokes. Tell us some funnies. It's Kevin Hart time. I mean, unless you're, you know, at a comedy club uh, or something of that nature, if that's not the case, then, you know, that should be in the conversation. You know, we got work to do. I'm trying to concentrate. Just starting out here. It's a lot, a lot of new information that I'm trying to absorb. So I'm using my noodle as best I can and, and trying to earn that earn my keep, as they say. Who's going to argue with that? That's what I would tell him. Particularly, I would especially tell him that if I'm starting out new at a job, that way we can get expectations set for as long as I'm going to be here. If that's five months, if that's five years, fine. I won't have to be pestered about this. and edit. Oh, yeah, that's our old curmudgeon there. He uh, he works hard. But that's and I've seen, you know, where they have that in some workplaces where that person just has a rep. That's why I said getting a reputation. This person doesn't gossip. And he doesn't do a whole lot of chatting and joking and guffawing. If you want to, you know, do some horseplay, you'll have to find somebody else because, you know, they are serious and about their work and do it well. Help you out, but don't engage in a lot of horseplay. That's what I would stick to. Um, the references portion. I appreciated. Uh You said your code you've uh, kind of developed is you don't give warning about the references Uh, if you're going to ask a white person to vouch for you and you said you just were able to see the pattern you would ask oh you know maybe can you can you be a reference oh man i don't know i don't think i can (coughs) excuse me i don't think i can can say a whole lot more than you worked here and you uh used a little bit too much butter uh during lunchtime i don't know i can't i can't really say a whole lot more uh than that that would be helpful like what What? Noting those type of odd responses that right there. That's not a coincidence. That is racism, white supremacy. I'm not going to help this nigger get a better job, better job. I'm not going to help them get a promotion. What are you talking about? We'll see them get anything. I'm like, yeah, I got amnesia. I don't remember nothing. I don't remember anything about what you did about anything. Barely remember your name. Help you get a job. That's Mr. Fuller said that in the clip. I didn't even uh think to play that deliberately, but that's exactly what he said in the audio segment. He said uh that white people on jobs, he called it the Obama effect. He said, it's no way. I'm going to have a black person come on a job and help them get a raise, have them get a promotion or make anything uh, on a job. I'm so disgusted. We had to sit through eight years of those negros like you have lost your mind. I'm still trying to four more years. I'm still trying to recuperate from that. No, I'm not giving a reference. Yeah, I don't remember nothing that you did. You have to ask somebody else. I don't remember anything. You've been late or or something. So I'll just say something bad. Find somebody else. Uh, If we have folks uh, who have suggestions for black African uh with, I guess, the smile situation. And I don't know, maybe some other people, if you have your own code about that, you can share because that's such a common one with black people. You don't smile enough or you need to smile more or whatever it is. Uh, if anybody else, if you have a suggestion, uh them telling him. And he, he did say that this is a newer job. He kind of just got started here. So that's important, I think, because you can kind of Reinvent yourself, so to speak. Uh, If folks have any suggestions uh, about how they would deal with that, someone telling you on a job in a work setting uh, that you should smile more, you know, what's wrong with you? Come on now. Show us those pearly whites. What would your response to that be in a newer work setting? Uh, If you have uh, suggestions for that or if you have your own situation you would like to share, 605-313-5164, the code 564 943 pound again, not for spectators. If you have a thought or two, chime in. While folks are getting their thoughts together, hopefully not spectating, I will get through some of our other emails. Uh, Let's see. Black female. Wait a minute. I'm actually going to take a little water in before I read. All right. Much better. Woo. Drink more water. Last week, I wrote in on how a white male at my job got fired for not knowing how to do his job. And you were right. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. They knew he didn't know what he was doing but let him linger because I asked another white coworker what happened and she told me they had to let him linger to get evidence and catch him in the act of messing up enough times to terminate him. I do think he did something to off code because the whites who fired him sent an email explaining how they will distribute the work he was assigned but wasn't doing and ended the email with thank goodness in all caps, which I interpreted as them being happy he's gone. My other white <clears throat> my other white male coworker, just an observation, whenever my non black non-white co-worker may, makes a general joke the white male makes it racial the non-white non-black female worker is from Puerto Rico but the non-white male will be sneaky and joke about people from Mexico or Costa Rica just to mask his racism because I'm sure he knows how confused non-whites are about race racism well i do think it's important uh the observation here she said she thinks that uh Maybe this white fellow that got fired, maybe he did something really off code or whatever. Maybe he did something personal to one of these white people as far as him getting fired. I do think that's important because that, I think, happens as well. Sometimes they, whites have their own little grievances uh, in the workplace, and that can play out in who gets fired or who gets terminated or, you know, lots of bizarre things happen, you know, in the words. Not, we're not dealing with a just system. So once you start from that premise, a lot of wacky things can happen. Anyway. Uh, But like I said last week, you know, white people are not ignorant. And this is like not a new thing, having whites on a job. And I said like whites, plural. Uh, And uh, Mr. Fuller, you can call him. He can give you a nice lecture on this one in terms of whites being on a job and being allowed to hang out there for a long time, years and years and years. And all they have done is evolve how they waste time. Like it started out, they would waste time smoking cigarettes and at the water cooler. Now they waste time on the cell phone and the internet, like it has just evolved. They have different ways of wasting time and making it look as though they are performing some sort of task in the workplace. This is not new, and white people are not ignorant about this at all. Mr. Fuller talked about that part too, like knowing about how many white people we can afford to have on the payroll who are going to do absolutely nothing. (laughs) This is about how many of them we can afford to have and then how many folks that we need to have that are actually going to do uh, some work, at least some of the time uh, that they are here. But yeah, that's been my experience as well. I've worked because we're coming up on the holiday season. Man, you talk about loafing. I have been in work environments where starting about right now, You'll start having white people. They will be out for whole weeks at a time. I've uh, been there sometime where it's not announced. I've been there where I mean whole departments where it'll be 30, 35 people in the department and you might have five people there. Everybody is walking like what is going on? Is it a ghost town? Is it a
2: plague? What's going on?
1: Walking dead right i like, what is going on? professional but then you can't tell me that everybody is just ain't like nobody was aware that 25 people were taking off for the next week like you were clueless about it. you came in today and were stunned to see this many empty debt get out of here they are well uh informed about their plantation and these operations super informed uh let's see 605-313-5164 the code 564-943- Pound. Press star 6-1 if you have thoughts, questions, observations <clears throat> you would like to share. Uh, again, I will suggest make sure you are looking for ways to bolster your resume. Certainly that would uh, mandate that you keep your resume current if you're constantly doing cool and groovy things uh, that are enhancing uh, your ability to be uh, employed and to stand out when it's time for, you know, hiring, updating the resume and looking for enhancements, training programs, certifications. We had a listener uh, who wrote in uh, about that today, looking for those opportunities, asking those opportunities, doing some research, finding other individuals in your field who are a source of resources. That's why I've tried to say consistently talking to other people that you work with so that you can ask them questions. I wouldn't be about the the smiling. And I guess that might be one thing. Uh, I am not as much about smiling, but I am about uh, building rapport where you can to get constructive information, I don't think you have to do a whole lot of, you know, he 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 and telling tacky jokes and things of that nature. We can just be talking about the company here. If I'm new, there's got to be constructive information that I'm missing out on and just talking about that. So I think sometimes that can mitigate that way. It's not just talking about nonsense. It's not me talking about my personal life. It's not laughing and joking Asking questions so that I can be more informed about my options here, potential here, things I don't know, the constructive things uh, that are going to help me out in my employment here and beyond. Like, I think if you can do uh, a tad more of that, sometimes that can offset, you know, he's not super jokey, jokey. But, you know, we do sit around and talk about constructive things. He asks lots of questions, seems to listen intently, like, you know, right on. Uh, let's see. See, folks are still, I guess, spectating or getting their thoughts together. I hope this means if that many people are not being directly terrorized in your workplace, at least this week, uh, things are not going too bad. Number one, you can certainly invest in the cows. That means you're getting all your raises and promotions uh, uninhibited. Racism-notes.blogspot.com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com. Paypal button is in the top right corner. We are also on Cash App, uh Cash.app forward slash dollar sign the cows. Uh if you are not being molested in your workplace, then hopefully you'll have Uh, A nickel or three to invest in the cows or another counter-racist project that you think is doing uh, constructive work towards solving the problem. I would again say if you aren't being mistreated, be mindful of other things that are happening in your workplace and you should still be on the grind, getting information, asking questions, uh, things. I would still have the expectation that if things went well this week, that probably won't be the case for Monday. Let's see. Person to dial in 8237. 8237. If you have commentary, you should be with us.
6: Greetings, Gus. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having this uh this broadcast every Friday. It has been quite the uh revolution um in my everyday work life and i have taken all of your suggestions to heart and have followed um up on a lot of the suggestions that you have presented as well as the callers and i just wanted to commend you on your diligence in having the broadcast each and every friday i'm sorry i missed uh the first part i think you started at 5 p.m uh pst right pacific time Yes, ma'am. Am I correct? I was uh busy battling uh traffic through Seattle, so I'm sorry I, I missed the first part and I, I will uh be able to look that up or listen to that once I uh, once it's posted by by I I think the the gentleman who posts your broadcasts um on YouTube, um his his is it Fox or Mr. Fox or something similar to that.
1: Mr. Fox
6: yes mr fox so um about what black african was saying um about being smiley on um, on the job i think that what i have done because I, it is in our nature to be smiling uh, uh type of humans and and we do um and that can be misconstrued by um racists out there as being just the Negro that needs to smile. But I think that is just something that we do. Maybe it's a, a reaction to the abuse that we are um, exposed to every day on at work. I don't know, but I have, um, I used to be quite the smiley type of person that was just to accommodate folks at work to accept me. And now that I have become much more serious about my, uh, my work and um, I have taken down most of the things that I, I used to have inside of my office, say pictures and trinkets and candy. I've taken that out of my um, my office so that I do not get uh, these drive-by visits from folks who are just coming to check me out and check what I'm doing. Um, and so that has helped me to uh, stop the accommodation of racist. At work, um, by needing to smile more, and so that has been effective uh, on my part in my everyday work situations. And also, I've had quite the um, interesting relationship with my with my uh, with my uh, manager. He he has been or has been giving me quite quite a difficult time working for him as his support person, and that is because I think he was feeling slighted that I was assigned to him because I am um, of African descent. I am crystal black, and that in a white um, organization is very, very difficult for most people to accept that I'm in a more executive um, position, even in, in support, and so he was feeling uh, slightly um, perturbed that I was um, I became his assistant, so, so to speak, his, his uh, executive assistant, so he gave me quite a bit of a runaround in the beginning, and I also didn't get adequate training when I started at this organization, and um, so we had our battles uh, to fight, to get me onboarded, and to have me work uh, for him in the most efficient ways and figuring out how he likes his Uh, His work done. Um, So, I, because of um, listening to your broadcast, it has definitely taken out the confusion uh, out of my everyday work. I would have probably gone out of my mind by now had it not been for you and the callers giving suggestions and. in remedying, um, these situations, um, at work. So that's what I wanted to say. And I really wanted to, uh, give you all my gratitude from the bottom of my heart and, uh, commend you for everything that you do.
1: Thank you. Wow. Well, wow. Seattle traffic is absolutely terrible. Um, that is rough. I'm so sorry that you getting Friday night. Oh, Friday. Seattle traffic is the worst. Jesus. Woo. I'm so sorry you had to, uh, motor through that, but hopefully you are safe and sound at your residence or someplace, uh, cool and warm and dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, I hope, yeah, I'm, I, I'm always say, I hope the program is, is worthy of folks, time and energy and hopefully provides, uh, constructive, uh, logical suggestions that can help solve problems without creating new problems. So, if that is happening, grand—that uh, is what we set out to do. Uh, I think, and you just—I well, I was going to say confirmed, uh, but just corroborated. It's the same pattern that we heard early. You said you missed the portion because you were battling the traffic out here. Uh, of white people not being happy supportive jubilant about black people's workplace success you getting this job executive assistant ugh, perturbed that was what you said he's perturbed ugh. didn't even get one of these you know high yellow ones we got a crystal black nigra to come in and get the job ugh. Ugh, this is, ugh, I'm disgusted about all of it. And we, again, Mr. Fuller said he used to think the exact opposite. He would think, oh man, you know, once we come in and show my credentials and hardware, I'm ready to go. And, you know, I'm excited. Be your executive. Is this going to be great? That they're like, oh wow, look at how ambitious she's ready to roll and motivated. Got her credentials like that. I underestimated these niggers. Maybe I need to give them. No, that's not what this is at all. They are dedicated. I brought the this came up yesterday, Elliot Bay. I don't know if you're at the bookstore, but this came up at the talk yesterday that I botched the audio. I hope that they have the recording and we should have her on the program, Azure uh Savage. But yeah, this is this is not uh accident. This is not ignorance. This is white dedication to white supremacy. Of course I'm not gonna be excited about you being the executive assistant. Why aren't you cleaning the toilets or You know, even that, like, I don't know if I even want you to do that, much less be the executive assistant. Like, oh, my God, fine. I guess we'll halfway train you. And isn't that another pattern? Haven't we talked about that since the inception of workplace racism? And that's just another part of the dedication. We will make sure that you don't succeed because we're not going to train you well. We're going to make sure you use the word efficiency. We're going to make sure that you're not going to be an efficient productive employee because you've not been quote trained we're not even going to give you a chance to do that and then we can come in whammo see i was right to be disgusted about you being hired. look at this crappy incompetent work. look at this look at this is disgraceful we intended for you to do disgraceful work so then we can go about it and fire you and hire you know whoever we wanted for the job uh i try to point that out consistently And request, that's why I just said you will probably have to request opportunities for those enhancements, certifications, new trainings, might even be better training because it seems this seems really inadequate. Like I asked questions that didn't get answered and it just doesn't seem like I've been properly prepared to succeed. I'd probably phrase it just that way. It just doesn't seem that I've been properly prepared to succeed is there any way i could get any additional training to make sure that i can do the best job possible here question lane that's the way that i would ask it too because that happens so frequently that's another one i'd be prepared for they're not going to train me uh correctly what can i do to supplement ask asking for additional training and other ways that i can learn so that i can compensate offset for them sabotaging deliberately not training me correctly
6: that's wonderful. And just on the training part, um, I found out that through LinkedIn, there's quite a few courses that are free and that can be accessed through that website to um, enhance uh, your technological skills, um, uh, just the programs that uh, are used every day at work, Um, And those are wonderful. That's a wonderful website to, to just be able to find out more training if you're not getting adequate training at work.
1: Lovely information. Thank you for sharing that. And that's probably most black people. We hear that it's so common. Doesn't matter what field you're in. You're probably not getting adequate training at work. Request more. And don't be afraid to ask. I know that's been me sometimes where you get afraid that system of white supremacy often discourages black people from asking questions. Ask for training. Ask for things that are constructive. If if we were in a system of justice, I don't think there would ever be any hesitation about asking for something that is constructive. You're not asking for crack cocaine. You're not asking for a gun to go out and do a school shooting. I need something that is constrained. Might just be training, information that will help me do my job better. What could possibly be incorrect about me making such a request? If we were in a a system of justice, nothing. Right on. Let's get it. What did you need? Let's get to it. Boom, boom, boom. We get that knocked out and be moved on to something that's only in a system of white supremacy where black people, non-white people in general are regularly discouraged from asking for things that are constructive asking for help
6: um just lastly and then i'll i'll mute my line i am really really looking forward to listening to your uh, rendition on um going to visit uh the elliott bay bookstore and listening to uh, azure savage's um book reading was it a book reading My son himself was very affected by, he is of course black, um, and he was affected by the school, the Seattle school system, more so the Lake Washington School District, which is even more uh, whiter suburb than the Seattle School District. So I am, he's now 28, and back when I uh, was a very confused non white uh, individual. I did not know that we were in a war of white um of, of white supremacy racism. And I agreed to some of the programs that they stuck my son into and um it has definitely affected his life up to today and that was back when he was in first grade kindergarten when his teacher diagnosed him with ADHD, and I didn't think to go to um, to further um, the findings by going to a psychologist and so on and so forth. He was diagnosed with ADHD and then was stuck in special ed and so forth. So I cannot wait. I'm very much uh, looking forward to your uh, to your broadcast regarding that. Thank you, and I'll mute my line.
1: Much obliged. Thank you for sharing. Um, She talked about, you know, exactly what you just shared about how the treatment uh, uh, mistreatment of uh, black students in particular uh, and non white students uh, on the whole in the Seattle public school system and which classes they get placed into which classes they are prohibited uh, from participating in uh, and the long term ramifications Of that, and I guess she did research for her book. She went and talked to, did interviews with uh, black students about their treatment and you know how they felt about their education in the Seattle public school system. Uh, Again, I did woo. Watch the audio. I'm a victim of white supremacy, so I was not able to record, even though I thought I did. However. I did speak with Miss Savage, as I said, and she said she'd be willing to come and chat it up with us on the program, which she had already heard about. Uh, so she should be coming to hang out on the program as soon as we can get a date and time together. Uh, and uh, I'm going to speak with her because I-, I did ask. I realized, you know, as soon as it was over, like what? The audio failed. What's going on? Uh, is this you know, event recorded, will it be posted? And apparently they said it was recorded. Uh, so I'm going to see if, if the audio is available because uh, I'll go into more detail tomorrow. There was, the, I was able to ask a question. That's all I need to say. I was able to ask a question. That's why I hope that the there is audio. Uh, even though I didn't get to ask the question directly myself, uh, I was able to write it down. And my question was read... Verbatim. Got to get Blank. the audio. The audio response to the reading of my question alone. Got to get the audio. Mm, epic failure on my part, but Miss Savage should be on the program regardless. And I'm sure she will remember the question and the exchange. <sighs> uh, yes, much obliged, uh, caller herein right here in seattle that is amazing i'm always stunned when people here in in seattle call this doesn't even after all these years this does not feel like uh, my my hometown or what have you as they would say um but always nice to hear from folks who are right right here if you want to do yoga let me know can uh let you know if you want to come practice Uh, Other folks who dialed in, we still are soliciting suggestions for the black African, uh, if any folks have thoughts on uh, him being told to smile, uh, how you would respond to them, particularly in a newer work environment. I do think that's important for context. In a newer work environment, if you're being told, hey, you smile, boy, smile more. Smile more. What's what's wrong with you? Being all serious around here. If any any suggestions on how you would respond to that. Folks that we've missed totally, line should be open.
3: Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi, um, this is Draftomia. Um, I'd like to say hi to the listeners and the callers and um uh I just basically wanted to uh share about my workplace racism um i've um have been having an incident uh with some um i guess you can call it like stalking um uh there has there was this um security guard um that um what, initially i met him at um at a bus at the bus depot. And, um, you know, he acted said if he was interested in me, um, we exchanged numbers or what have you and um then he, um then it was like um it was something that just was off about him um in uh, you know nothing you know ever you know it never Uh, went any further than that. But then I was, okay, so I was standing, he was basically, apparently, he had um, um, saw me in the bus depot, acted as if, uh, pretended to be interested in me or what have you. Um, uh, You know, we exchanged numbers. We had conversed a couple of times on the telephone. Um, And then I just, you know, like I said, I just listened to my gut, and I just was like, you know, I didn't engage any longer with this um, gentleman. Um, then I was seeing him again, cause he works for a security, um, uh, security, uh, firm. So, um, then I was seeing him again, um, when I was going through the issue, uh, that I talked about, with the roommate issue, um, with me going down to the courthouse, I had to go down to take care of that issue, uh, with, um, an incident I was, um, ha- um, having to deal with at the courthouse. So I had to keep going back and forth to the courthouse and be out maybe seven months or so. So he was the security guard at the, um, at the, um, courthouse also. So you know, I was him. I really wouldn't say too much to him, what have you, because it was just you know, it, just his whole demeanor, and, and it just didn't seem right the way he approached me. Because he acted like he had been watching me. He told me he had been watching me. He saw me a couple of times, and all this, you know, he made up this big you know story or what have you. So, um, so that was another um, time I was seeing him. So then, when I started working at the current place that I'm working at. Um, I started um, one of my co-workers um, one of the individuals that I was having issues with um, brought him into the break room and um, basically said um, some made a comment as far as um, oh yeah I needed protection so I brought a security guard up here in case you try to do something to me so I basically I didn't say anything I didn't um, feed into this, um, what he said but I knew when I saw the guy I knew it exactly who he was and of course you know you would think that somebody that tried to you know that you had conversed with you exchanged numbers with um they know who you are but what he did was he acted as if he didn't know who I was so he made a statement like oh um don't I know you from somewhere and i said um i don't know exactly what i said to respond to him but you know he just tried to act like he didn't know who I was, so basically, um, what he's been doing is he's been coming um that and this has been for oh man, this has been for a minute maybe six, seven, eight months now that he's been coming up to the job um um we had um security, but he's um we have we have had security. But, um, I, I just found out something, uh, the other day. So, um, what he had been doing, is been coming up there, um, to the, um, you know, to the job up to my floor specifically. It seems like he's been coming exactly when I'm getting ready to go on my break or what have you. And he'll just come on the floor and it's like, you know, he's, you know, coming, I guess, to watch me or whatever. Right. So. What I did, um, I think it was Wednesday night um, because it's like a thing where it's like, you know, it's starting to become... Well, not starting to become, but it has become because it was at one time I was kind of feeling kind of um, uh, anxious because it was like I felt very uncomfortable. You know, when you know that something is not correct and um, you know that there's something more to what this individual is doing because why, are, why is it that you're acting like you don't know me? So I don't, well, I don't have any interaction with this man at all. I don't say anything. I'm not friend- like I don't I don't even talk to this man at all. So I basically just, you know, when I see him, I just keep going and I just don't, I don't say anything. Um, I just avoid any kind of contact with this person um, based on the fact that he was basically trying to lie and just, you know, like it's like he's playing games. And like I said, I'm starting to see that it's more than what he's trying to make it out to be. Um, He has some type of ulterior motive um, for being um, where he is. So... I saw him the other day. He came up there because when I would see him um, a couple of other times, I I noticed that um, I was feeling anxious at one time and I had to... Um uh, uh uh this was some months ago i had to end up doing some breathing and i mean like i had to use lavender oil to kind of calm myself down because i was starting to feel like un- like very um uncomfortable and and nervous and i guess i guess that my fight or flight um was kicking in i don't know it was just very uncomfortable so um the other night he came on the floor um, because like I said, a lot of times when I see him, I just totally ignore him. I don't pay him any mind at all. So, um, he came on the floor and he was making comments to this, uh, you know, the, uh, different students or what have you. And he looked at me with this really funny, you know, like look, and I looked the way, what I did, I just looked at him, and I just kept going, you know, like I don't, you know, don't stop, minimize contact to minimize conflict. But it was just a manner in which you, it's like, you know, basically what it is, is like um, you're um, coming around to intimidate me to make me feel uncomfortable, you know what i mean and and that's the way that I'm feeling like that his presence is like it's like you're coming around just to intimidate me antagonize me, and that's you know it's I feel like um I'm being harassed, but it's covertly, you know what I mean it's just like you know you're just coming there like you know where I, um it's like okay I went. You went from the, um, bus depot to the courthouse. Now you're coming on my job. You know what I mean? And you may know people there, but you know, I found what I did. I had, I inquired the day after, and, um, the following day. And I asked one of the um, um, co-workers, um, one of the people that are involved with, um, you know, the um, um, the events that happened in the building. So I asked the question, I said, well, you know, do you know what this guy, because I don't even remember his name. I said, um, do you know what this um, um, uh, this, you know. This security guard's name is this tall guy. Do you know what his name is? He said, "Um, no, because we don't really have any." Um, he said, "No, I know of one guy." I said, "Well, let me ask you a question." I said, "Do we have security that works? Um, works? Um, you know? Um, you know? Work here? Um, you know? Do we have security that works?" Um, he said, "No, we don't, because we did have one security guard uh, that worked." but he's no longer working there because he had an incident um, with somebody there in a building. So um, I asked him, he said, well, no, um, there is no security on guard. Only time we have security um, there is when we have an event. So I said, Oh, Oh, interest. You know, because I'm just standing in the question lane, Um, I'm making note of this on, on my phone, you know, I'm, emailing myself just making making sure I take notes of every single thing that happens. So um um what I found out is that he doesn't he when he's been coming up there It's not like he's even coming because he's, you know, he's a scheduled worker. So it's like, okay, so now you're just coming up there to just come up there to see, you know, to try to impose your, you know, because it's like he has this kind of like intimidating um, presence and like, you know, and then you're like kind of doing this and like antagonizing also. So what I did is just that uh, I um, took note of it. And I'm just going to keep it on record, um, keep note of it. And if anything, if I need to do anything further, um, because what I would like to do is find out his name. Um, So in case um, anything else comes of it, because like I said, if you're if there's nobody there, if you're not um, if there's no event on our floor or anything going on, then why are you coming up there to just, you know, um, make faces or just, you know, scare me down or try to make me feel like I'm kind of make me feel intimidated. So, you know, like I said, I'm basically just taking notes. Um, it's another victim. Um, but, um, you know, I'm just taking notes. Um, never be, you know, and not to, um, basically react to the situation, um, staying calm, collected, you know, um, trying not to feel like, you know, intimidated by this individual, but um, I'm still going to be aware of my surroundings and what's going on around me because I find it to be kind of strange that this person just, you know, is just popping up every single time, you know, so um, that's basically what I wanted to share. And um, like I said, I'm going to just stay vigilant and um, continue to take notes and, you know, and if I have to take it any further, hopefully I should, but will not have to. But um, if I have to, I will. Um, I will. At least I will have a record of it. And that's all I have to share.
1: Much obliged. Draftomania. Um, wowzers. I, I I guess before I get to the main uh, point of the argument, when you were speaking with the staff there and you said, you know, hey, do, do we have security that works here? And he said, no, no, no. We we used to have security, but it doesn't work anymore. Uh, he had an incident. I said, pause. Incident. What do you mean? Incident with who? Incident about what? What? Uh, what transpired? When was this? Was it in the papers? <laughs> like uh, I think Thomas in New York. We spoke before about any additional information that you can get about the organization. I would want. And especially if there was a so-called incident, oh yeah, let's hear about this. That involve a weapon, a firearm, accusations of uh, sexual misconduct. <laughs> like, uh, what's going on here? Uh, so that would be one. Uh, and then once I, you know, find out about this fellow coming through and who is this guy? What's he if here? If he doesn't work here, and you're just coming into the building like to harass me, like. Oh, man, I don't even know if I would give this person the, the the courtesy of letting them know, like, I am not interested in visiting or talking to you at all. And like letting personnel in the building know, like, this is just going to be trespassing and calling the enforcement officials because I am not interested in chatting, hanging out, kicking it, nothing like do not talk to me. Uh, you know, we can just go our separate ways, wish you the best, but, you know, and just leave it, <clears throat> leave it be. I was thinking Gavin Becker uh, the whole time. Uh, but I mean, that's, uh, j- in my view, that is extremely dangerous. Uh, someone coming to your place of work, uh, and just feeling like they can be there even if they weren't coming inside, even if, you know, they were just driving by, uh, at the time. Uh, when I was getting off or going to work like that is like, whoa, uh, I would write down all identifying information. I would alert uh, building personnel like that is just like way, <clears throat> way, way incorrect, suspicious uh, behavior. And yeah, I would take that very seriously and try and get that nipped in the bud uh, immediately. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, he's presence is totally totally unwelcome totally unacceptable and letting other people in the building know so that they can be on alert when he's there because you never know he could come one time and be upset you know about something or or you know whatever the case is you said you felt like this is kind of a show of force he's a taller larger uh person so he can be kind of uh menacing just with his presence alone. So you never know if he gets frustrated or what have you. Uh, like I said, I definitely think in Gavin DeBecker, he did talk about, you know, sometimes it can be good to not uh, escalate, but I, I, pfft, man, someone coming on your work uh, premises, that is a pretty big one. And doing it repeatedly, coming inside, like, yeah, I would want that stopped immediately and would let, you know, as many people know as possible. Like this has been happening uh, this is not welcome. Uh, and in fact, I don't safe. That's the word of it. Use that one all the time. Workplace con uh, context. Uh, he makes me feel unsafe. He knows he is not welcome. And yet he can, continues to come here to stalk me. I'd use that type of language to stalk molest. Uh, and let them know so that they can be on alert and boop get that dealt with promptly if he returns. Uh, then he <clears throat> excuse me, get more water. Do any of the other folks that are here? Have suggestions uh, for draptomania before we move forward? Uh, if other folks have their own situations, any any suggestions on how you would deal with this kind of stalker in the workplace environment? We'll pay attention as we move forward if folks do have any uh, suggestions for draptomania. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have thoughts, observations uh, for workplace racism, proceed.
7: Can I be heard?
1: Uh, greetings, Bay Area oh. mom. Yes, we can hear you.
7: Oh, thank you. Greetings. Um, I have a maybe a suggestion or a comment on the um, the person that doesn't smile the melanated person that doesn't smile um, I would just say if they're not asking me a question they're just making statements saying you should smile more I would just hear it but if they ask me why I didn't smile I would just let them know that the job doesn't call for me to smile all day it's uncomfortable to have my face in that position all day if it requires me to smile I'll smile and I would just leave it alone because it's not a job requirement to smile unless if you know, I'm an in and out burger. Maybe I have to smile. But uh, other than that, if it doesn't require smiling, that's why you're not smiling and you don't have to respond to a statement, only a question. And so that's my thought on that. Then with the lady um, that just um, told her story about the stalker, I have to think about that a a bit more because I've never never experienced anything like that, so I'll think about that a bit more and then listen to the other um, suggestions that may be given as well, and if I have a chance, I'll throw my um, change in there, but um, I wanted to do workplace racism on myself. Today, I got a camp to catch the program. I get off at 6. I started back working uh, again. I've just thought about it. I haven't worked in nine months since Amazon with trauma and terror with the machine work at Amazon. Oh, my. So now I'm a behavior therapist. So there was a caller that called in either last week or the week prior and shared her story about the uh, the job and how they don't um, release as much information, as especially how dangerous it, it is working with the, uh, children with autism. That's what I do. So um, my issue is, or the, what I wanted to share is, so I'm in West Oakland, I have a, a, a guy in West Oakland, young male, and I'm, they're supposed to have supervisors come in on their first session with these children. I started in September. I'm supposed to have a supervisor. These people moved from one city called Richmond to West Oakland. California. So uh, the supervisor is white over the case. So he's sent an email. Uh, I'm only supposed to pair when I first meet them. So I just get to know the children. I'm not running um, any um, instructions or giving them um, drills to do or goals to run. I'm just pairing with them. So he's nowhere to be found. And when he does show up, I may have been I wasn't timely. I may have been two minutes behind because I'm circling around looking for a parking space. They say it's a gated community, but it's not a gated community, not the way they're wording it. (laughs) So he comes in. The little boy's looking for me, of course. He doesn't want to be bothered with anyone else. He's looking for me. So he's, where's she at? Where's she at? So now he's watching, looking at his clock because the little boy isn't paying him any attention. He's waiting on me. So I get in there. Oh, there she is. We are waiting so long. I thought you weren't waiting long. Five minutes after. You're not waiting long. Stop. So, and I don't smile either. Um, You know, not unnecessarily. Smile with the children, but just not unnecessarily. So, he's feeling however he's feeling. So, I have a rapport with the child because I've developed one. He hasn't been around. So, he's asking me these questions about what I've done. I haven't done anything because you haven't been here. So, I don't know what you want me to do. I see all this stuff in this computer. I don't know what you want me to do because you're supposed to be here. So, yeah. No, 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 I don't understand. Yeah. So, he's, we're going outside, so we're leaving. We're walking outside. First time I meet him, he's trying to ask, get a feel for me, um, asking me questions about how I got into this field and let him know I've taken child development for a while, and I'm trying to, you know, switch over as far as what I want to do career-wise. So, then he, okay, well, um, just, uh, oh, oh, yeah, um, you know, what time did you get there, like, nine, ten, I was like, no, about nine, ten, huh? what, oh, no, just next time, call scheduling, because, you know, the kiddos, they're waiting, they, they could be waiting, where's, where's she at, where's she at? I was like, man. okay. So as I'm not when I look over to my left, I hadn't done it yet, but there's like thirty guys on his car, right? So, uh they're all black like me. So they're on his car and they must have been on his car before, but he didn't say anything. So, um now they're on the car. Who's that white guy, man? That was your blue base mouse, man. I'm so now he's nervous because there's like a slew of guys. And they're doing whatever they do, on, you know, in the morning and what's up. So uh, now he's nervous. So he goes over to his car. He's like, oh, man, who's getting in a car, man? Officer, man. So now he's nervous, so he gets in the car and he's off. So there's an email service saying, due to the unsafe conditions, we're requesting to park inside of the gate instead of on the street. So, um, because he spoke, we called the mom and said that it's not safe to be parked out there. And we need gate access. Mind you, you have to have stickers because they're housing authority units. And you can't just park your car unless you have a registered car with a sticker. So I parking not park in there. And I'm not afraid. So, uh, I get this email... Oh, great news, guys. We can park in the gate. Uh, the grandma, call the grandma. We're not even supposed to call these people. So now we can call grandma. And grandma will come and open the gate so we can go in. So he's not frightened when he does show up. So apparently that didn't work, go over well because you, in real life, you have to have um housing authority, uh, sticker in your window. Showing that you're allowed to park in this unit, not because you're scared. So I see him again, and now he's, okay, so we, we're supposed to do a march and cry. What march and cry? I don't even see you. I haven't seen you since the last time when you sent the email because you're scared the guys are on your car. Oh, no. Uh, so I was parking for you. Parking was great for me. I don't have a problem parking. See, you're not parking in the gate. I don't have permission to park in the gate. You saying I can park in the gate isn't permission. I will get a ticket, and I don't want a housing authority ticket because you're afraid to park on the street. Oh, we're working on that right now. We're working with housing authority so we can get stickers. I'm like, well, yeah, you give me a sticker, I'll park in here. Other than that, I'm cool on the street. So, he uh, okay, so uh we're supposed to do arts and crafts. What arts and crafts? You don't say anything. I don't see you. Oh, oh no. Uh, well, that's okay. That's okay. We can do it now okay, let's do it now. Where are these arts and crafts at? I've never seen these things. So we're we're doing uh, whatever it is that we're doing. But I think, I'm saying all this to say, I don't think they expect black people because it seems like a white-dominated field. And I don't think they think we're supposed to generate a rapport with these different children, depending on their um, how high they are on the spectrum so rapidly. And I've done that. I have five different cases and they all enjoy my presence and I don't think they expected that because they're not really enjoying the other behavioral therapist presence either. And I noticed that with my um, supervisors I get a lot of oh really? Mm -hmm." And they're all non-black non-white, mostly female but this particular male he's really riding on me for whatever reason because of how I do my job and how I've been able to catch on and do it without their help because they don't give a lot of help. They try to because they're going through other people and the insurance, but they don't give as much help as they could. And that's all. Thanks for taking my call. I'll mute my line.
1: Not giving as much help as they could. That, again, just picking out uh, patterns, system of racism, white supremacy, non-white people going to a new job and same old thing. Not, I'm not even saying you got to roll out the the carpet and find out all of my favorite snacks and beverages and get me a new pair of footies. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying, man, can I get policy and procedure and maybe get adequate trainings so that I can do the job that you hired me to do in an efficient manner is that all No that's okay got uh, much obliged uh Bay Area mom I do remember uh you telling us some of the terrorism uh about the situation uh in Amazon so now doing your behavioral uh therapist work uh The complaints uh from the very beginning that you uh were late uh in coming or thought you were never going to get here, and that sort of thing just the exaggerate same thing I said before with the, we had the earlier caller who was talking about um weeping white man uh, who said they impugned his credentials uh and what have you. Nobody does it better uh in terms of white victimization oh my gosh you're late and you're never going to get here oh. You know, uh, that sort of thing. And and just stay calm. Uh, I think you said you also have a demeanor where you don't do a lot of smiling. You have a rapport with uh, the children. Uh, But other than that, I'm about my business. Uh, That's what I'm here to do. Uh, And just being focused and asking questions. That's what I would recommend uh, from everyone. Ask questions. Be focused. Try not to let them. They'll try to do a lot of things to try to get us uh, to respond uh, emotionally. say that all the time. Uh, Just being able to maintain our composure so that we can think logically about how best to respond. Asking always a big advocate. Asking questions. Asking questions can be our best best tactic in the workplace. Sometimes we don't have too many options uh, while we are there. Uh, As you're are you having to go to people's residence for your job? Yes, sir. Okay. Do you have any yes, specific sir. codes to make sure you stay safe while you're doing this work?
7: Um, no, not in the neighborhood. And now it gets dark early. So all of my, um, I'm full time. So everyone is sick. So that's why I can't call in until six. Um, I'm scared I'm not I'm scared of the the white neighborhoods more than the um, black ones. And as far as with the children, they tend to hit themselves versus me. And I haven't had one that think it's okay to hit me. But they tend to you know, when they get frustrated, they hit themselves and that's only when other behavior therapists are there with me trying to make them do whatever it is they're trying to do. They want them to do. Other than that, I don't have violence. I do have a stun gun, but I don't know how appropriate it would be in someone's home with the children because they're all over the place. So I'll figure that out as far as uh, personal safety.
1: Mm. <clears throat> I would definitely, I, I can totally understand working with children, um, you know, feeling some type of way about a stun gun, but. Yeah, if I'm an and with it being dark, like that's a whole nother consideration. It gets dark super early now and it's going to get worse as it or it's going to get uh, dark sooner uh, as it gets closer to the end of the year. So that's definitely something. If you're going to neighborhoods that you don't know, even if you do know, uh, it's late at night and you're parked, like safety precautions. Uh, I say that all the time in a workplace context, like we have to be uh, primary in terms of looking out for our well-being and safety and just being in people's houses because you never know if they're gun owners or they got a hunting knife stored in every drawer or, I mean, you just never know. Uh, that's that's always uh, kind of a... Can be a risky proposition uh, being in somebody else's house. So, definitely uh, do everything that you can to keep yourself safe. Have a code in mind already. And that's one where I would definitely m- not minimize any signals if anything seems awry uh, or it seems like, uh oh, that, you know, like take all of that seriously while I'm in somebody else's residence to make sure that my safety and well being is not being minimized at all. Uh, context of white supremacy. Uh, Much obliged to our Bay Area mom Uh, if we have other folks that we missed totally. Uh, In fact, I'm going to make sure I get through our last email for the time being uh, and then we'll nab our other folks who uh, dialed in that we've missed so far. Uh, This is from Kizzy's Cousin. She writes, a very... Toxic week on the plantation, toxic in all caps. Last week, I wrote about a furtive, suspected racist male attempting some unjust networking. He tried to undermine a non white male who was attending a meeting with a senior manager at the company where I work. I said he failed. You asked how come. That's right. Two reasons A, because the senior manager is non white, black, and less confused. B, the race soldier did not get invited to the meeting. That said, let me be clear. The suspect suspected racist failed in that instance. I am confident he will carry out more unjust networking attempts via my race soldier manager to discuss the matter if he has not already done so. Racists and suspected racists do not give up. Summary of racist antics for the week. Number one. The racist suspect's Voltroned this week. Verb. I was in a meeting where my racist manager took credit for my work. She has also infected other racist suspects who are acting openly hostile to me. I was at a meeting with several people, including my manager and a racist suspect male who used to be a team administrator when I joined the company. He is now more senior than I am. During the meeting, it came out that my manager had referred to him a non-white female who is working with me on a project. The non-white female had given him the wrong information, which I corrected. He approached me at the end of the meeting to request an introduction to some of my contacts that can help with the matter. I said I would do so. What caused me to give a mental hmm was how he started the conversation. He said, I might have known you would have the information. On the surface, people may take such a remark as a compliment, but his face and tone suggested otherwise. This is someone who I've been cordial with in the past, and there's no reason to my knowledge for his hostility. He took notes from the meeting and circulated them to everyone who attended. There were about eight people there. He somehow managed to correctly attribute everyone else's contributions in the meeting to them in the notes, but yet managed to erase my existence. He also attributed my comments to my race soldier manager. Anyone who's ever taken notes at a meeting should understand how remarkable this is, particularly from someone whose previous job regularly involved note taking. I pondered on my response for a couple of hours. See there? I'm just pausing right there. You don't have to respond immediately. You can know Now, I think this little, you know, no-count sneaky race soldier, I think he said something slick. I think he tried to do something. I'm going to wait, though. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to think of a really good question. or I'm going to think of exactly how I want to respond. You can take 20 minutes. You can take 30 minutes. You can take two days and come back and address. Sometimes it's best. Think. Just stop and think. What is the best way that I can respond that's going to work out in my best interest. And let me think about that. Let me take some time and really think about that. Use some logic. Use a lot of logic. Continuing, I pondered on my response for a couple of hours then sent an email to everyone concerned correcting his error. Put that in quotes. I wanted an audit trail. Uh Uh-oh. I acknowledge that taking notes can be difficult in my email response. I saw him the following day and he made a point of speaking to me and thanking me for my email. The words were nice, but underneath was pure nastiness. His racist antics continued. I had sent an email introducing him to my contact as he requested. To my surprise, he then sent an invitation for the three of us to meet. He then sent me an email outlining that he wanted to ensure my contact's company was involved in the project I lead. I responded by asking him why he sent the invitation and clarified that the company is already involved. He sent a meeting cancellation in point two seconds. I've not heard from him anymore. Second report. I had to stand my ground three times this week. Wow, what a challenging November. Meetings were put in my calendar that clashed with other appointments. The perpetrators were one racist suspect and two non-white confused anti-black females. Yikes. Who are being directly directed by my racist suspect manager i emailed them each time letting them know that i would not be attending as i had existing appointments in my diary and copied in my manager the meetings involved other people somehow they managed to find a time that worked for everyone else the majority were suspected racists but not me these were deliberate acts of terrorism to undermine me i stood my ground all three meetings were rescheduled to times that were convenient to all <laughs> love it love it love it because i think this happens so consider this goes back to what i said about time theft uh where your time will just be ignored it'll just be exhumed oh this nigger will be here when we say so negros the meeting's at three nigger Meetings at four, Negra. Be here. And it's now thought, well, wait a minute. This Negra might have some other duties, responsibilities. Oh, wait, I guess we should pay her the same courtesy we did everyone else to ask in a timely manner in advance. What is a free moment on your calendar and schedule appropriately? I guess we should have done that with the Negra, too. Number 3. Finally, someone wrote in last week about racist acts using non-white people to undermine them in the workplace. One method I used to counteract this in the in the past was to strategically assign tasks on the project. I ensured the non-white female supporting me on a project would report directly to my manager on her work. I knew from her behavior and things she said that she did not want to report to me anti-blackness. I had assessed that non-white female was inexperienced, also a deliberate part of the racist strategy. They brought her in to cause conflict. When my manager tried to play us off against each other, I arranged a three-way meeting to ensure everyone was on the same page. My manager was incompetent, so in the end, it was the blind leading the blind. It exposed what needed to be exposed and took some of the pressure off me. Now that... The non-white female victim, she's confused. Anti-black, you're in a project lead position and you have her doing assignments and reporting directly to the white person. That I can see, hey, at least this way, it eliminates an opportunity. If I have any critiques of her assignments or any problems, it's not me. You're reporting to the white person who can let you know if anything is wrong. You miss something. We short circuit all of that. And if it's, well, if I do it this way, she's going to rat on me. She's probably going to do that anyway. Not going to be any secrets in the workplace. This way we can fast forward that. You can go ahead and snitch to her directly. And then we can all sit down and have a meeting, which is probably going to have to happen anyway. Fast forward all that. I do think that's a quality, uh, quality. Attempt method means. Uh, of trying to neutralize anti-blackness because it's probably going to be more of these types of scenarios uh, where a non-white person can be a black person who is confused about racism uh, and white people have the ability to just introduce them into situations in ways to create conflict where we can squabble and fight with each other and totally lose sight of the fact that, hey, it's a white person who pays all of us. It's a white person who put this person here in the first place that now we're all squabbling with. Let's keep track of that. Much obliged, Kizzy's cousin. Give out the number again. It is six zero five three one three, five one, six, four the code five six, four, nine, four, three pound, press star six one if you would like to participate. uh folks that we have missed totally if you have a hand up, suggestions, or comments on what's been shared. Line should be open. Proceed. Yeah, be heard. Greetings, caller in Florida.
9: Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. I have uh, quite a bit of reports i like to make. Uh, first, I wanted to start out with I know uh, the Jim Jones and the Guyana uh, situation was mentioned, I think, last week, and there was actually a metaphor that a black female used with that. And these first two uh, refers to the the Popeyes chicken sandwich craze, um, and she was it was me and two of the black females in there and she mentioned that hey you know it's really it's nobody but us going to get these sandwiches but i'm like i'm thinking about my it's it's all kind of people i've seen get the sandwiches but anyways uh and she went on to compare it like don't drink the kool-aid and you know what happened with jim jones so i was like that's an interesting metaphor. Then I had this walk down in the department and the second one was far more egregious and racist. Um, I had sent an email earlier this week and I noticed the, the top, uh, white person, the boss came into the department where it's a mostly black staff employed and he comes in, he speaks to everyone, and uh, all of a sudden, he turns to the same black female and once again mentions the the Popeye Chicken Sandwich. He says, uh, you know how we were talking about the chicken sandwich earlier? Now, this was very slick because he wanted to make it seem like I didn't bring it up. We were already talking about it like y'all brought it up. I'm like, this is the, this is the topic you bring up when I just sent that email early on this week, and I know he found out about it. And he said, yeah, you know, I did try it. And then <laughs> he, he said, uh, you know, the pickles are really thick and this and that. And and it, to make it worse, he brought up another black person from another uh, part of the work site like, that works in another building but he brought up the other black person he was talking to about that with. So I guess that's you just talked to the black staff about you know chicken sandwiches I guess. So I I didn't even look at him. I just uh focused on the monitor and uh continued to do the work I've been assigned or whatever. So my third one is I was walking through the traffic department, right? And language was used in a crafty, wicked manner. Racist, of course, because this was a white woman who just moved into a new house or whatever. And I guess she was having problems with insects. So I guess it's a certain species of roach called the Asian roach. Asian. And she said, I just got to find something to take care of these roaches. I guess there's some... Asian roaches. And she's like, I got to get rid of these damn Asians. Um, So she walked away from her desk, but it sounded like she was talking about people because I've known her in the past to talk about people who classify as Asians and these uh, stereotypes about um, how they are inefficient with driving and they're not skillful drivers and racial racist stereotypes. So that was another one. Uh, My fourth one is there was a a metaphor also used where another white woman from the clique did not. These are two clique members, that last one. And this is another clique member. Uh, She comes in and says to the black female, says, oh, you know, uh, I can't really talk right now. Cause the black female was trying to ask her something. Oh, I can't really talk right now. You know, we just, we had to go to the Dean's office again. So, you know, I can't really say nothing right now. Oh, come back and tell me what happened. No, no, I can't talk. I can't, I can't talk right now. We had to go to the Dean's office, the school metaphor, right? So you know, I wonder what she meant by that. So, um, my fifth one is, um, these these two are, I guess, I categorize anti-blackness. Uh, there's a black female that I do speak to on occasion. Uh, she can be very courteous. But, see, this is, like, what it means to be a black person, in my opinion, because I was eating a salad, right? And I had my water container, 64 ounces of water, right? So, you know... uh She wants to look at something on uh, television in the break room. And I say, Oh, you know, you can go ahead and change the channel. You know, I'm just looking at my phone or whatever, eating my salad. So she says, Okay, you already know what I'm turning to. So I started laughing or whatever. And she gets to the table with her food uh, and turns and notices that I'm eating a salad, right? Okay. And she says, Oh wow! Uh, I noticed that. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Are you trying to eat healthy? I said. <laughs> I said, yeah. You know, I'm trying to do a, a you know a more better, healthier, balance on my diet. You know, something like that. I said, and say, well, you're not trying to lose weight, are you? I said, yeah, pretty much. You know, I need to. So it would be it would be uh, better for me. And she says, oh, well, you don't want to lose too much weight, or you'll look like you smoke cracks. Okay, so um, I didn't really give a response to that. I just kind of just smirk because, you know, it's a, a black person, right? So I try to definitely use some patience with black people. But, you know, I, really, I rarely encountered this black female. But that was interesting that you try to eat healthy and drink water. Somehow drug abuse comes into uh, the conversation but this is how we've been systematically trained to see each other. But of a white person that said that, I definitely would have, (laughs) I would have gave a response to that one. And my last one is, um, I had a, I had to make a response to this one because I think this guy practices that, that show offism where, Um, we tend to, well, some black males tend to have that that means to um, make a sexual impression on other females, black females, to at the same time mistreat another black male, and this person has been doing this for a long time, so he's in there talking to the other two black females and addressing them in a pleasant manner looks over over at me because, you know, I'm just doing the work or whatever. And first he says, what's up, boy? Now, this is a person almost 60 years old now. Okay, so I didn't say nothing. Then he says, what's up, brother? (laughs) I say, I kind of wait for like four seconds and then in front of everybody I just say, don't call me brother. And then he like he's in shock, so he says, Oh, well like he said, Why not, or something like that. And I said, you know, just don't call me brother, call me by my name. And then he says, Well, can I call you sir? And I said, Well, that's courteous. And he says, Oh, but I can't call you brother. And then I say, But we're not brothers. Oh, but we are in Christ, aren't we? Well, that's incorrect. That's what I said. So then he didn't let me alone. And he turned to the black female and says, oh, well, hey, such and such. He says her name. Can I call you my sister? And it was inaudible. I could not hear what she said. I don't know if she was in agreement or whatever. I don't know. But she like he tried to kind of get off to the subject and start asking about Christmas decorations or something like that. So I don't know if he thought I was talking about his religion or whatever, but definitely there's been a a lot of toxic anti-black comments like that one I shared where he said to a white female that sat in front of me, he says, Oh, watch out for blank behind you. You know, if he do anything, just let me know. I'll be able to handle him. Basically, um, try to put forth the notion that he's going to commit violence or some kind of physical act against me. So, you know, I had to pretty much let him know to not call me brother. So he came back in later on and he did not want to come into that, that front door entrance. I don't know, maybe it was because of my energy or something like that. So he went around and went into the other door and then that black female, the black female called the man I guess he probably uh, conversed with him about his conduct only until after I said something. But any time before that, like, nothing like that happened. You know what I mean? So it was constructive, I think, because he definitely stopped coming around. But whenever he does, he'll speak to everybody or whatever. But, you know, I just had to just let him know that, and I just kept it moving. Um. And that's all I have for now. Thanks for allowing me to share. Black brothers, black brother hell.
1: Context of white supremacy. Black brothers, black sisters. Uh, Man, anti-blackness in the workplace. Uh, It is always good to have a code for that and to have an extra heaping of black self-respect Uh, to spare. Uh, These type of incidents are very common. And the same thing, I guess, that I just said about the importance of maintaining your composure. You don't want to let your emotions get the best of you when responding to suspected racists. The same is true for victims of white supremacy uh, in terms of making sure that we're not you know, allowing some anti blackness from a victim to have us all riled up and, you know, not codified in our response. Uh that being said, uh, you don't want to lose too much weight, you know, look like a, a crackhead or a crack addict. Uh again, uh think just as you pointed out, like, wow, I'm just trying to to, to munch on a few greens, maybe a few fruits, veggie or two, and now i'm a crackhead like what i mean and notice how quickly that happens where black people get associated with crack even for doing something constructive that has no relation at all to narcotics uh and then we got the other fellow. this sounds more because we were getting before the office insults last week it was the white women coming in and did you just pat my butt oh he and laughing and joking he hee hee and ha ha and all that now we got more of the traditional elevator insult type thing that Mr. Fuller was talking about. The black guy comes in and, hey, boy. What? Oh, you're not. Oh, okay. let's let's try. Hey, black brother. Hi. That right there is exactly why if you needed another illustration of why I am not for. Do not call me brother, like under any circumstances, because that is about the size of it, where it did not start off brotherly at all. <laughs> it was total insult. And now, okay, I'll clean. All right, brother. Come on, black brother. Be with me, black brother. Black sister. Black brother. Oh, 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 I can't call you, brother. Excuse me. Can, I can call your sister. Black sister. See there? Black sister. And she didn't even she didn't even respond. Don't try to rope her into it. She's probably over there quitting, like, oh, my God. I'm just trying to get... They're going to break. Oh, my God. Like and this is exactly what this like I said, this is this is the elevator insult. This is exactly what Mr. Fuller talked about, where it just ends up being entertainment. If there are any white people who are around and they can just watch all of this. That's why I said you have to be on the money codified and have a little bit of extra black self-respect because uh, some victims we don't have any. Uh, so that you're not upset by that sort of thing and calling him. Na- and what Oh, you calling boy? Come on victim of racism i'm not gonna sit up here and do that and i'm also not gonna be called boy and brother and all the rest of it if you could please call me by my name thank you kindly sir is respectful i can appreciate oh i can call you sir but i can't call your brother see here see see <laughs> thank you kindly sir and <laughs> keep it moving i'm not gonna respond to that either like And what I would be saying to myself, if it's not Dr. Welsing or the same thing I said before, if you got some, you know, family members, relatives who exemplify black self-respect and kind of, you know, embody like, hey, you know, I'm going to think about this person when I want to make sure I'm behaving myself and and treating black people correctly. uh, You can also just be thinking about, hey, white people are most to blame for this black male in Florida over the age of 60. You betcha. Doctor Harry T. Moore and his wife, absolutely. Black male behaving like this, the people who are most to blame are all white. Governor DeSantis and everybody else. Uh let's see. The I'll handle him. <laughs> that went into the violence to protect the white. If he gets out of hand, you let me know and I'll handle him. That's another one where you gotta keep your handling Handle who? What? Keep your composure. That that same thing I just said, white people are most to blame for that. And I would even be thinking on that one, too. Now, imagine a black person in a work context where a white person does something or says something. Imagine a black person having the audacity to, hey, you let me know that Ryan gets out of hand. You let me know and I'll handle him. <laughs> I don't think so. Courthouse, McDonald's, anywhere else. I don't uh, I don't think so. Uh, Let's see. I didn't even know they had such a thing as Asian roaches. I would probably had to whip out my phone really quick to see if they weren't, you know, just practicing racism or making up something to see if such a thing even existed. Uh, But uh, that in and of itself is probably an act of racism anyway. Uh, How if that is like the uh, actual name uh, of a species. Uh, But even (laughs) neither here nor there. Uh, For then the roach part to be chopped off anyway. Uh, (laughs) I think that was probably why it was intended anyway. And you don't know. She could have been complaining about Asian people. She could have been complaining about the roaches. She could have been complaining about both. And I wouldn't even put it past her to be slick enough uh, that that ambiguity is purposeful. That I'm doing this on purpose so that I can talk about Asian people. I can talk about the roaches. And people will be confused. I can make I can get away with all of it because they'll just think, Well, maybe she's still talking about the roaches. I, I would not be surprised if this white woman was that slick. Uh the Popeyes I, I I have concluded some time ago. I think like fried chicken and sports, particularly like uh basketball, football, uh I think those are like the go to's uh for whites in a workplace. Maybe President Obama before, but now that he's gone, probably not. Uh but like that's you know. Negros here. Uh, if I can't tell any racist jokes, what am I going to say? Uh, fried chicken. Yeah, you tried that Popeye's chicken sandwich? All oh, right on. Mm-hmm. What else? Uh, uh, sports. That LeBron is something, huh? How about those Lakers? Yeah, saw the game? All right. I'll catch you tomorrow, and that's it. Sports, fried chicken. Sports, fried Shane, what happened to Coach Taylor, didn't it? Taggart, my fault. At Florida State, Shane, what happened to him? It didn't mmm yeah well all right got a chicken sandwich last night just thought of you that's all it's gonna be as tacky as that we'll just look out all the black people in the building and had that Popeye and give you all the details the pickles were so juicy and thick and succulent oh yeah Mm -mm -mm. what did you think of i'm vegan man didn't you see me here eating my salad i don't come on (laughs) come on that's why i said before mr Steele. Talking about food, it gets to racism, white supremacy uh, quickly. That's another one. I'd have a reputation for being vegan. Like, do not dare come talk to me about fried chicken or anything else that you think is soul food. Watermelon either. Collard greens, like none of that. Do not come and talk to me about any of that. Sports, uh, even here uh, in Seattle. I wouldn't care if I was the most, like, addicted uh, NFL fan ever. I would never... Have a conversation about the Seahawks, what they're doing, what their season is like. That's the same stance I had uh, years that they went to the Super Bowl uh, and what have you. I'm not going to be sitting around. Oh, yeah. Let's chat it up about good old Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and maybe they'll get back. (laughs) Come on. That is, if you're not going to come and talk to me about constructive information, constructive things, we don't need to sit around and waste time uh, and act like we're friends bonding over fried chicken or the pigskin. Much obliged uh, caller in Florida. Anti-blackness, rampant. brothers like brother hell. Let's see. The number again, 605-313-5164. Decode 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, Other folks who dialed in, if you have comments, questions, suggestions you would like to add, feel free. I'll assume folks are good for the time being no spectating. uh, If we have any suggestions for uh, the smiling uh, situation, uh, any suggestions for uh, what folks would what folks would do there. Uh, And even if any folks have suggestions, uh, the incident, Black African, where he was talking about where uh, it kind of went down. The white guy said, you threw me under the bus. A lot of metaphors. You threw me under the bus. Uh, And then he said, did you see it? And he was a little reluctant uh, to say because he didn't want to be a witness. Uh, Folks have any thoughts about that as well? Uh, The Jim Jones metaphors, I did forget for the caller uh, in Florida, uh, not drinking the Kool-Aid. Important, Uh, different context, certainly. But that is even just that we just talked about that. Uh, a few days back for then that to be uh, brought up again. Like, wow, important, uh, important. Anywho, uh, if other folks uh, have any other suggestions, comments, they want to make sure that they get in. uh, We should be here tomorrow for uh, the compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, We should also be here on Monday. Uh, White woman, Laura Wexler. uh, She wrote the book, A Fire Fire in the King Break, uh, it is about the Moors Ford Bridge lynching in 1946, uh, where four black people were killed, two black males, two black females, one of them a World War II veteran, uh black female who was reportedly eight months pregnant, also killed in the massacre. Uh, she gives a lot of detail uh, about the incident. She should be with us Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Reading is more important than watching television Uh, you can check out her book between now and then if you want to read ask uh, some questions Uh, always great to practice questioning whites Uh, but that's monday laura wexler people in georgia you should definitely know about the moore's ford bridge lynching Uh, if you have offspring attempted parent easy opportunity to share about some of your local State History and the System of White Supremacy. This case got big attention. And I was giggling. Walter White got mentioned in the frickin' book club yesterday with Paul Robeson. Walter White is mentioned extensively with the Moores-Ford Bridge lynching. That's why I say his name pops up all the time. We can ask Laura Wexler about him on Monday. She quotes and what he had to say about this incident and what he was doing with the NAACP to try to uh, address this atrocity specifically. Walter White. Continuing with our assignment, Uh, let's see, any other uh, folks? No folks are satisfied. Any other uh, suggestions, comments they want to make sure that they get in? Soon, folks are good. I'll check in, give folks maybe another five to be certain if everybody got their comments questions in did i hear someone were they just ruffling in the background Uh,
7: that that's me can i be heard yes ma'am okay i just wanted to i can i think i i think that we do this one on tomorrow but i got a chance to wear my counter racist shirt so (gasps) i'll share tomorrow yeah it was neat (laughs) so i'll share is that the day when we can just have random conversations on saturday yes ma'am Okay, I'll participate on Saturday so I can tell you how how fly that
1: was. <laughs> I am excited. <laughs> I am so excited, especially when it seems like everybody's safe, no one got punched or their eye gouged or anything like that, like everything ended safely. Love it. Uh, always yeah. uh, enjoy hearing the feedback from the Counter Racist t-shirts, how white people respond, how other victims respond. Like that is Lovely. And it's that's what it was for, a counter racist experiment. So yes, I, I'm excited for tomorrow so we can hear what happened.
3: Okay, super. Thank you.
1: Yes, that'll be two things, and then I can give more details about the Azure Savage um presentation. Whew, that was a lot of fun as well. Ask questions, workplace context. Ask questions. If they have a training, if you start a new job and they have the orientation and all that, make sure you ask a question and not just, you know, where's the bathroom? Just so that you could say you, you know, ask the question. Uh, but I mean, really try to think of something that is of benefit, something that you want to know or something that is not clear to you. Ask questions. That is such uh, a key aspect. When you uh, ask questions, you are uh, expressing curiosity. That is driven out of a lot of victims of white supremacy. We need to be uh, curious about things. That's how you get additional uh, information. Sometimes that's how you can draw solutions. And we need solutions. We got a problem. That's how you draw answers, being curious and seeking answers. So ask questions. Get in a habit of asking questions. Uh, when you, Anytime that you have an opportunity, training, what have you, that was big for, for yesterday, just being able to ask one question, and getting good at asking one question sometimes, because that might be the only opportunity you have is to get in one good question. Workplace, sometimes you can ask a lot of questions, but get good, be bold, have the courage to ask questions. Yes,
6: and on the subject of questions, uh, to help out with the Black Africans' uh, dilemma at work with uh, being asked to smile, I think asking questions uh, will continue to uh, have him understand where that, um, where that question is arising from, where the source is. And I think asking questions such as, uh, what makes you say that? And then waiting for input or saying, oh, I'm sorry, was I frowning? And then waiting for input or how odd, I certainly don't feel miserable you know, or that's strange, I feel uh, fine, great today, you know, something like that. And just keeping it very light or keeping it light uh, on, you know, thinking about how to not make too big of a deal out of the comments that he's getting and um, just waiting for the responses uh, so that he can uh, understand or delve deeper into where, where that question is coming from so that it can be, it can be remedied or, or dealt with in, in the, in the proper way.
1: Great suggestions. I like that. Always love it when you can stay in the question lane, just where's that coming from? Or yeah, I'm feeling great. Are you okay? still in the question line. Uh, and turn just real, uh, mild response uh, about things with, again, the emphasis, I'm doing great. Just trying to get work done. You doing okay? Everything's good? All right. Yeah, we're great. Getting work done. Great day. Trying to make a little money. Hopefully a lot of money. And just rolling on about it. Uh, Let's see if... Other folks have any other suggestions for any of the different scenarios that were presented? Uh, if you have your own situation uh, that you want to make sure uh, you share, if you have any thoughts on how to to make sure we neutralize anti-blackness in the uh, best way possible uh, in the workplace. Always think it's grand to just come out and be direct uh, about how you want to be called or addressed or something is, is done or said that is incorrect to just point that out. Calmly, cut it at the knees. Walter Beach, as he said, best way uh, to try to neutralize those situations sometimes. Uh, Let's see. I think we nabbed the emails. Uh, Folks have about another two minutes. If you have any final thoughts uh, you would like to share. Uh, If not, we will get ready for the compensatory call in tomorrow Uh, And Laura Wexler on Monday, I've been reading her book uh, quite a bit. That was what I did. Like we ran over, did the book event last night, Azur Savage, that ended and got in a little reading uh, before called it uh, an evening Uh, yesterday. It was packed. Wow, what a Thursday. But uh, that is uh, the counter racist grind. Uh, Race soldiers do not take breaks. So try to be uh, consistent in our efforts to solve this problem as well uh, unless anybody else says another question thought strategy they would like to share
2: i guess
8: i just wanted to thank the the lady for her suggestion about uh asking a question especially the one where she said um ask that that the white person like are you are you happy? like are you okay I think that was a great suggestion. Um, yeah, yikes on the on the crack cocaine comparison, um, um, and also there's um, I hear this a lot in the workplace. This sort of it's not the same, but it's um, references to um, the gentleman Stevie Wonder. There's always metaphors. I heard it again and it reminded me in the workplace. Somebody said something um, like a metaphor about Stevie Wonder, like, I guess we're being led by the blind, something like that. You, you, we're being blindly led, it's like Stevie Wonder. It was a white person. So I always hear those. I don't know. And I hear them in the workplace, but I just remembered that. I was just like, ah, okay. Um, just making fun of a black male. Um, but yeah, thank you.
1: That Stevie Wonder metaphor, we had talked about that before, how we couldn't even think of, like, if you take, if you just wanted to use that metaphor of, you know, you all the blind leading the blind. You know, Stevie Wonder, if you were, okay, we're not going to use Stevie Wonder. We're not going to use Ray Charles. Who would we use? We had silence for about 60 seconds. And then... All right. And we're not going to use any black person who would be the white person that we're going to use in this joke. That right there stood out as odd. Like, really, is that we just Stevie Wonder is just the punch time. Anytime that we want to use a blind person uh, in some random tacky joke uh, about you have some ignorant, incompetent person uh, that is running the show here. Really? That's that's what Stevie Wonder is reduced to or Ray Charles. I hear the same thing uh, with Ray Charles, even though he's passed. They'll still insert him blind dead person. They'll still insert him uh, to mock someone for being incompetent at what they do. Just paying attention to metaphors. Uh, Lots of them in the workplace. Uh, Any any other folks? Everybody good?
6: I have a question really quickly, Gus just for one second and uh, that is on the upcoming uh, remembrance of the Jonestown massacre on November 18th and uh, someone did uh, say something about drinking the Kool-Aid and I think it was a caller from Florida and I would really appreciate if we could speak on the Jonestown massacre and Jim Jones and all the black, uh, fellowship, uh, people in his, uh, cult or group or sex. I don't know how you would call it called. Cult cult. Um, yeah, it would be cult, correct. Yes. And so I would really appreciate if we could touch on that. Um, perhaps sometime soon. Uh, I see a lot of Jonestown, um, references being uh, coming up on my feed and also just everywhere. I just I just keep seeing it in the news, W things like that. So I just wanted to ask if uh, we could touch on that sometime.
1: We were just speaking about that on the compensatory call in this past Uh, Weekend. That's why I said the caller. I think he mentioned it as well, uh, that like it stood out like, oh, wow, the people mentioned it there. And I wasn't even aware directly that this was the anniversary coming up in a very few days. But time is is right and uh, exact. Um, I think we had said last week we were looking at books because I already had one book that was recommended. And I was like, oh, and it was written by a black person, too, unless I'm mistaken. I was like, oh, we should try to get her on the program. Uh, and then I think Draftomania and several other folks, uh, they recommended some other books because, I mean, this, you know, heavily researched subject matter is books coming out all the time. We were looking at some of the more recent books uh, that have been published. So, yeah, I think it would be absolutely fitting. I was saying then, Dr. Welsing, this was one of her favorite. Uh, so or I won't say I won't say favorite. Uh, this was an area of study that she thought was important. I'll say it that way. Uh, and so I think she definitely would. Want, I know we talked about it with her. Uh, in the archives directly on this program and even beyond uh, this platform. She talked about it when she had other engagements as well. So I know she would uh, want uh, serious counter-racist scientists to study this event uh, and how it relates to white supremacy racism. So yes, that's absolutely, we should devote a little time and We will be here on the 18th with Laura Wexler uh, on Monday, but Jonestown, yes, more time. More time to come, because I think a lot of folks don't have enough information about why this event is so important to whites. Why Why someone like Dr. Welsing would say, wow, this is an important event that we should study.
6: Which books were mentioned to maybe I could uh, find a way to get to the books. Do you have any of the titles on the Jonestown massacre and whom you would recommend? I would really like to read a book that was written by a black observer or one of the people who was um, just from the black perspective of the Jonestown uh, experience and uh, things like that. Do you have anyone that I could look up and, and check out and read to just prepare?
1: Uh, I haven't read a ton of books uh, on this subject matter, even though, as I said, we did mention specific titles going through on Saturday. Uh, if you uh, drop me an email or and or you could just listen to the compensatory call in, because like I said, a number of different titles were mentioned uh, there. Tim uh, Reiterman, I think, was one that Draft the Media mentioned uh, and there were a few others. Um, and then the black author specifically, if you drop me an email, I can send you uh, her name, even though I haven't read that book yet. So I can't vouch uh, for, you know, how constructive it is or not. But, um, yeah, we should have an opportunity. If any other listeners, if they already have kind of a, a list of some favorites that we didn't get to this past weekend, uh, you can email and I'll forward. But, yeah, we should have ample study time coming up where we can all kind of dig in and share what we've researched and learned.
6: Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Absolutely.
3: Gus, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Uh Gus, um, in regards to uh Jim Jones, um, because we was doing the uh book study yesterday and you were talking about the Cohen to Pro. So as we were doing that, I um started doing some further research in regards to um Jim Jones uh connection because uh with the the CIA so I went to um, the young lady she can also go to the uh, CIA.gov, research um, uh, Jim Jones and there's a bunch of um, you know uh, unclass- declassified documentation on uh, Jim Jones they have um, newspaper articles and different uh, documentation that's de- declassified in the CIA
1: files if you go to the website and that's all I wanted to share Much obliged, Draptomania. She was with us for the discussion uh, this past weekend. uh, Compensatory call-in. Might come up again uh, tomorrow. Uh, With that, I would take advantage, if this is being discussed, make sure you tie it back to white supremacy, racism, and making sure that people know a lot of black people uh, died uh, at that event, were killed uh, at that event, and why that is relevant to what's happening now. Slick-talking whites. Are dangerous.
6: Well, what With... I found out too on that on that uh, Jim Jim Jones thing is that a hundred years before Jim Jones actually uh, created that uh, Jonestown settlement, there was another missionary who did just about the same thing a hundred years before, say in eighteen seventy eight, and also had a lot of black settlers move to Puyana with him to settle near that area of Puyana. And so that is really intriguing.
1: Uh so they uh rehearse and repeat many of their activities. Uh so You have a lot of cult cult activities in the system of white supremacy. I think we had some other listeners. That was kind of their research project where they were looking at this event and context with others. But uh, this here workplace racism, I assume everyone is fine with that topic. We will have time to chat about Mr. Jim Jones uh, down the road. Uh, If everyone is fine on workplace racism, we will resume this subject matter next Friday. Uh, Same time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. I hope folks are working on that pregnancy counter-racist code because that is important. I am sure some folks not pregnant now, haven't been, might be in the future where you are still in a work environment at some portion during that nine-month period. So that is one to think about want to be thinking on that in advance so you don't have to kind of come up with all that uh, while you have a billion other things that you are thinking of during that uh, really significant time period. Uh much obliged to all the folks for their participation. I uh, hope it was worthy of your Friday evening. I uh, hope we gave out some tidbits that were logical, useful in grasping things that are happening in the workplace and how better to deal with things. Uh, again, make sure that you are already thinking about how you would respond to sexually inappropriate behavior. How you would respond to racist conduct in the workplace, what you would say, what you would do and practice that. So it'll feel natural. It'll feel like you, something that you would say uh, and that you already that way. Unfortunately, if the time comes, you'll already be prepared. You'll have some muscle memory with what to say, what to do, how you want to stand, that sort of thing. We'll be here tomorrow. Compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Tune in. We'll share views, suggestions for solving the problem. Again, we'll be here on Monday as well. Laura Wexler. A fire in the cane break. The Moore's Ford Bridge lynching. Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. Woo. Let's do everything that we can to preserve our brain computer. In addition to being sober, let's be buckled up every time we are in a vehicle, passenger or driver. Let's do all that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. If you are behind the wheel, no cell phone. Do even just the little things that we can to try to stay as safe as we can and far away from the Amber Geiger's Daniel Holtz laws of the known universe. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy, even when they call us black brother. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time. we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cal signing out. Thanks all for tuning in.
2: Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, your brother. Problem.
1: You're a victim. I'm up. a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning.